The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. And we are back for another episode of the Salumas Podcast. This is Kalu. This is Chris. This is Brandon in the background. And fun fact before we introduce our guest, uh, we went a couple of minutes in, and uh, because I'm a I'm a dumb, I uh, I messed up like the audio and stuff like that. So, yeah, and uh, I was being I was louder than usual. Yeah, yeah. So y'all I, hate my voice more than usual. Exactly. So now we're redoing it. So we have a special guest on, and go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, my name is Adam Sherds, and I'm thrilled to be with you. I really appreciate the chance to be here. Good, Thanks good. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, tell us more. So, uh, well, you, you and I are dressed exactly the same. Yep, so yep. That, we so, shopped at the so, Barack Obama so got, collection at Dillard's. Memo, so there's that. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> we fun look fact, exactly alike. Yeah, yeah we do. They're auditioning for the remake of Twins. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> So I am the, the senior pastor at Broadway United Methodist yes. uh, here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Previously, I said he was the HNIC, but I guess he can't say that. Uh, yeah, and what, is that, and what does that stand for, Kalu? I, I mean, am I cool? Like, You're, you know, yeah, like, I just want to make an awkward, awkward pause. <laughs> like, this is like, my first time. Literally never been called that before. <laughs> so... So what if they're in twins? Are you Arnold? Huh? Oh, I'm DeVito. One hundred percent. He's definitely a DeVito. I'm, I'm definitely a DeVito. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we have him on because um, we wanted to have a discussion and a continuation of our faith and religion uh, series. And uh, everyone knows that the nature of this podcast is that we take touchy subjects and we put it through the grinder. So this was something that we wanted to be able to put through the grinder and then figure out how we can just learn a little bit more about each other. And uh, hopefully those of you that are listening can get some good content out of this. And hopefully you like what we have to talk about. So I think one of the first things that I want to do is just sort of get everyone's origin stories. So we'll start off with you, Adam. Just yeah. talk about where this all came from, how you decided to become a, a minister. So I grew up uh, poor, mm -hmm. uh, poor white kid in the, in the country on a mm -hmm. dirt road. Okay. Um, uh, my mom's family uh, had a, you know, it was a generational poverty kind of deal. Um, alcoholism, drugs, poor, you know, dysfunctional. I grew up on, on my dad's farm, my dad's family's farm, uh, in a way of life that was dying. So, you know, really kind of caught between a lot of forces. You know, if I go home, it looks like Appalachia, you know. Mm. Uh, I uh, grew up in the church, and I like to say the church gave us a different story. So when I think of myself, who I am, I don't think of myself as a Hoosier. I'm from Indiana. I don't think of myself necessarily as... Uh, you know, a Republican or Democrat, uh, you know, the, so the political ideologies and things, you know, identity, I, I, I was raised to think of myself from that worldview that the, the church, the, the, the Bible, the, the biblical narrative, the story of God, Sure, that's, that's kind of how, how I was brought up. Mm -hmm. And know? were you raised Methodist? I was raised Methodist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, so, so through that then found a place to serve and to make a contribution and, and, and all of that through that world. Uh, okay. And had a lot of experiences with, um, with other 
faith or people of no faith, you know, so like um, bring that kind of perspective to the, to the equation, but was also raised with a, a pretty wide worldview. You know, one of the coolest parts about my upbringing that I've realized um, that is different than a lot of people of faith is like we're on the way to church. We're having theological discussions, right? We're leaving church. We're having theological discussions. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm six years old and I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. And my mom or my dad would say, oh, really? Tell me more about that. You know, instead of chastising, instead, instead of saying, yeah. "Oh no, here's what you have to believe." <clears throat> shut up. You know, you know. I, I have a friend who said, "You know, I asked my, I was grew up Catholic. I asked my dad, you know, what if this isn't true?" And he beat the hell out of me. And wow, that's you know, Are that's you kidding me. You know, that's I think a lot of people's experience. You know, yeah. faith is this thing. You, here's what you're supposed to. Here's the right thing. You know. So one of the things I bring to this is, you know, that there is a lot in in our world that's about control, right. and um. And I and I'm kind of against that. I think mm. people of faith also have an agenda. We've kind of talked about that before, you know, before we got started. Um, you know, they have an agenda that is is um, based out of what they believe in their convictions. And I think you know it's good to have convictions and beliefs. But I kind of work from a my my agenda is no agenda. You know that you know, my my goal in life is to connect with God and with people. I, can, that, I got some truck with that. I yeah, can that's why that. so many people like you, man. I, I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, I don't know if that's the <laughs> and case. And y'all snazzy dressing. Yeah, that too. That too. I should be a preacher, man. You kind of already are. I dress are. like one. Yeah, you kind of already are. I mean, though. he's validated me. So it sounds to me like I really, this is like the kind of discussion that I'm like, I'm trying to have in my world. And so yeah. I get brought into this thing with you all and like it really jazzes me up. I'm really yeah. excited about that. You know, so what does, okay, so one of the things that, I'll just go ahead and talk about. Well, you uh, got to give your origin story because yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. we're going to have a lot of people listening to this that aren't familiar with the podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. So where I come from, obviously, uh, like we were saying before we started recording, um, I grew up in in the church. You know, my dad has preached at various places. Uh, we grew up Presbyterian, uh, and I remember one of the um, and, and again he he preached in the Presbyterian church, but he too. While he did have his conviction, and he did, er, er, and he was very staunch in, in what he believed and everything like that, I think the fact that he was also a teacher also made him a student, and so he was constantly learning, and there were constant challenges, and there were just all sorts of things that kept bringing or that were uh, brought to him throughout life and stuff like that. That I think, in my opinion, allowed him to sort of make his faith evolve in a way. Yeah. And so I remember you end up with more questions than you do answers, yes. the more that you learn and the more yeah. you explore. Yeah. And I, tr- and I truly believe that that those amount of questions that he had almost got him to step down from preaching and just become just a part of the that. congregation. I actually get that. Yeah. yeah. Cause there, there were just so many things happening. I mean, my, my big sister came out and that was, that was a struggle there. And then having to come to that, realization of I just want my daughter and you know what I mean and that's just there's a a lot of people that just don't have they don't have that kind of foresight you know what I mean or just can't make the connection they can't make the connection worlds exactly as much as they want to you know Mm -hmm. yeah and I and again a lot of those things happen I just remember I'm having a conversation with my dad where we're we're having beers and I just tell him like that I don't I don't think I really buy into into church anymore and you know, one of the best things that he told me was that he was like, "No matter what, you'll you'll find your way, one way or another." And uh, 
I think that was that has always stuck with me. And so it's allowed me to sort of have a different kind of view on faith and religion. So the way where I stand and what truthfully allows me to sit in any, I can go to any church and not get butthurt or crazy or freaked out or anything like that. I typically have a good time, especially for serving food. Yeah. I'm a good eater. Right. Um, but one of the, um, the thing for me is that I think the most dangerous thing that we as humans can do, because humans, whenever to understand things, we have to, um, we have to personify them. We have to give it human traits. And for something like as big as God, I think one of the most dangerous things that we can do as humans is to make God like a human and say, God has human emotions. God doesn't like this. I was like, no, bitch, you don't like this. You don't like this. And so when we keep doing that kind of stuff, I think that that stuff causes a lot of problems. And so... uh, and you see it happen in society. And yeah. so it makes it easy for me. I, I struggled for a while of saying, like, I don't want to have anything to do with any churches because all I'm going to do is just judge all you guys. Right. Because the entire time I'm like, oh, I know what you were doing last night. I know this. I know this is how you think. This is how you post and all sorts of stuff there. But um, And then also when I think now, when I think of of what a what a God is, is... is I think of having like a, an ant farm and if you've ever had an ant farm, you can't go in and control because one very human thing is if the ants are killing each other, you'll like, if you had your way, you'll jump in and try to separate them and try to fix all these things that are happening. And I believe that true power is just letting, and I, and I hate it, letting something horrible happen to someone. And in the very same second, someone is able to survive cancer. They get the news that it's, come through that in my opinion is what true power is is letting that all that kind of stuff happen and i cannot for the life of me imagine myself as someone who can just sit there and and let stuff happen Hmm. and so if i were to you know say that there is a god i would i would hope that they are like that and you know the same person that can go and kill a bunch of people there's they have that same capacity to do something really great or something really beautiful could happen to another person. I just I just think that the the control aspect is something that needs to it, that's where when you cease to worry about controlling, that's where I feel like the true power is. But again, yeah, to you're describe, really talking my language we, on yeah, that. Yeah. Like he said, like fear being a vector of control yes, fear, versus fear is huge. Yeah. Vers, versus huge. that voluntary love-based taking right. up um well and i don't want to even say belief but just adopting mm-hmm. something larger right and that doesn't right, even right. necessarily have to be religion no it doesn't yes. no it doesn't uh, and the best of religion captures you know captures that what, whatever religion it is right mm-hmm. it's it's you know, pointing to that that thing that is is universal yes right Mm-hmm. And and religion by definition is a social institution. Religions are a social institution, yeah, right. and what you find so often is that and and it's an acceptable thing. No two people are going to have exact matching belief systems, even within the same denomination or in the same family, right? Absolutely, yeah. or even maybe even within yourself, right? Yes. Absolutely, from from moment to moment, it depends. Yeah. It, Wednesday, you might feel one way, and then you're like, wait a minute, yeah. And is it okay to say that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. yeah. Truthfully, and, like, because truthfully, because if I you're thinking it, you're and you're, you're basically yeah, saying yeah. it. Right. And I've gone through phases where it's like, oh, I feel like going to church, and then some phases I'm like, oh, I don't want to, you know. Right. And I feel 100 percent at peace with that. Right. That is like the most freeing feeling 
on the planet, like not feeling like I'm bound to anything. And I think maybe that it, therein lies God or whatever you want to call it. Right. Is that feeling of freedom of being well, like, oh, I can or I don't have to. And I know? guess that's kind of a natural segue into where I came sure. to where I'm at today or how I came to where I'm at today is the moment that I stopped being afraid of right. my own mortality or non-existence. Mm. Um, I, I was raised Jehovah's Witness. I was a Jehovah's Witness from birth till I was about 12 years old, was never baptized. I did all the conventional Jehovah's Witness stuff like field service, going and knocking on people's doors. And then also um, Jehovah's Witnesses don't call them uh, uh, what, what sermons. They call them uh, talks. So I, they had this, it was called the second school. So they had the main kind of auditorium area where the elders would speak and then women would put on what amounts to kind of a, uh, a dramatization of how you would go about interacting with someone. Still kind of a male-female power right. disparity there. Right. But I was in part of the, what was called the second school and that's where unbaptized men and, and women would go and basically emulate what was transpiring in the larger auditorium. So I would give talks and things like that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people hear Jehovah's Witness and automatically it's a joke. I mean, and it is, and I don't, I don't take it personally. It's a funny thing. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the painful elements of it is now like the root of my sense of humor, actually. And I wouldn't change anything about it because I think growing up not having any holidays, being isolated from other children because they weren't Jehovah's Witness because of the uh, the scripture that says bad associations spoil useful habits. They really took that to heart. Um, it's made me appreciate things more now as an adult, I believe, small things, uh, interpersonal connections. They're not taken for granted to the same degree. So I can't... I can't be bitter about the painful elements of my upbringing because it's been very formative in the good elements of who I am now. That being said, um, a lot of people create this caricature of what they believe a Jehovah's Witness is, and overwhelmingly, it's not, it's not atheists or agnostics. It's a lot of times other Christian denominations, right. and that really serves... It doesn't matter what you're talking about. If you are not resting on the merit of your own belief system or your own faith and being satisfied with that, and you're actively denigrating another group right. as a way to legitimize your belief system, you're already messing up. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I agree with that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that Jehovah's Witnesses, yes, there is this culty element to it, but Jehovah's Witnesses are one of the major Christian denominations on the planet. There are millions of Jehovah's Witnesses worldwide. Um, Watchtower and Bible Track Society is an enormous building in Brooklyn Heights, New York. Um, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of influence. Uh, and that's the thing is there's a lot of community amongst Jehovah's Witnesses. And that solidarity is also what gets viewed as that culty element. Like we were talking about before we came on air, if a someone in the congregation has no money whatsoever, and their car breaks down. If another member of the congregation happens to be a, a mechanic, they will pretty much donate their expertise, time, resources 
to facilitating that other member member of the congregation. And that's across the board. If you have some sort of expertise in something, you are at the congregation's beck and call to some degree. Um, and there's some strength in that. There's I think, so much that's admirable about that. Oh, yeah. And that's why I get so upset whenever Jeho- Jehovah's Witnesses get painted as being lesser than or more kooky than other Christian denominations. We because, all have our own stuff. Yes. And is, is the bottom line, right? It, well, yes. what's, what's, I think that'd be a good segue. What's your stuff? What's what our you, stuff? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you were talking about, you know, uh, earlier, even just how we talk about God, you're going to have some element of, uh, pers- uh, personification or whatever, you're going to have some element of it's going to be wrong and it's right, even just when you speak. You know, it's mm. it's going to fall short, right? So we understand God at a certain level. And in, in a sense, you have to talk about God and you have to, and, and from my perspective, you have to find ways to live life together and structure. And there's going to be a social element to religion. And you're going to have to at the same time recognize that that is going to be faulty and have issues. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of our issues, um, you know, we're Methodists and so we'll take anybody, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, That's you know, one of our faults. Right? We don't want the black. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to keep away from it. <laughs> no, I would say, I, I would say honestly, the church the in the South in the general, we have, and we're, re- we're wrestling with this big time. Sure. Um, we um, haven't always dealt with our historical legacies. Hmm. Uh, so the Methodist church split in uh, right before the Civil War. A lot of people think that had a lot to do with the, the, the advent of the Civil War. Sure. Uh, we were uh, a North and South church until 1939. The, the stone on the outside of our church says Methodist Episcopal Church South. Really, and that means something that we, yeah. you know, really don't know what to do with. So yeah. we've got a historical legacy, and then the church growth movement of the '80s had this thing called the homogeneous unit principle. Like you just go find people who are like you that and get together so with them, <laughs> and we, we're living into the legacy of that. Wow. That does not sound anything like the world that I uh, want to be a part of. So you'd say there's a big lack of diversity. There's a lack of diversity in churches in general, right? And and with that, an inability to even talk to each other. So if if we say, for so we believe in the the dignity of every single human being. Mm -hmm. If every person bears the image of God, we sure don't act like it a good Mm. portion of the time. And that so what you're talking about. Um, about um, running each other down the road and talking bad about each other, you know that's a that's a great example. But really, do we really really love people the way we're we're talking about Jesus does? Yeah, you know that's that's always going to be you know attention versus us trying to create a world that benefits us. You know, a, a little system where I get to be the the guy who stands up in front of everybody and everybody thinks I'm wonderful because I'm the preacher. Yeah, and I get a lot of you know credit for that. You know that you know that can be that can be a a system, you know, in itself, mm. right? They could that could almost if if the wrong person in pl- is in place, that's a that's a recipe to just get drunk on a kind of power and a kind of praise that can truthfully mess someone up. Well, that's really bad. to me that's the more culty element. Yeah. Whenever you have a charismatic leader that takes over a congregation and they end up following a dude rather than God. Yes. Yeah, but you now, almost I have ask, to be charismatic you... to be a leader. You know, right. So it's sure, like it's yeah. just this real challenging thing. Like, oh, I'm this humble guy. Yeah, but yeah. we need you to lead us. So, you know, you're. I think we, what you you know what we're doing is living intentions all the time. Sure. And one of the strengths uh, of our tradition is that we acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
it's, it's a challenge and it's because sometimes we need to coalesce around things and we don't, but, but it's a dialectical approach. You're going to kind of see this and this, hmm. you know, this extreme and this extreme, and it may not be far, far out extremes, but it's also not just one thing that you have to, so we're not sort of doctrine driven. We have doctrine, but it's not like you have to sign on the, uh, on the line to be able to, yeah. you know, to be a part of our group. Right. And, and that's what we were, you and I, well, actually all of us were talking about before we started recording <clears throat> is that, uh, we should have recorded that, man. We're like, we, I then, wanted to, but to obviously I'm an idiot with the sound. Dude, that so, always happens. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll get a good yeah. discussion going, and I'm like, Kalu, just hit record on this shit. Cause, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, missed your, I missed your strain of thought. Sorry. No, I don't even remember what well, I was. Well, I do. I, I've got one question here. Like, why do you think you're qualified to do what you do? I'm not. I mean, in a way, that's, I'm that's not. That's beautiful. In a way, I'm not. You know, so by the grace of God, if we if we preach that and believe it, then that's that's a qualification, and uh, I hope a humility to learn and grow l- along the way. So part of my story is that I started doing this young. It's this talk about cliche. Mm. I was I had a, a friend who called me preacher boy. I mean, like I'm a senior in high school, and it's like, hey, where are you going Saturday night? Well, I got to go to bed because I've got a. I literally, I started doing this when I w- was a senior in high school. You know, <laughs> like that's not really cool. What were you doing as a senior <laughs> in high school, Chris? Hood rat shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and so I've made all my life mistakes as a pa- as a you know as a preacher. Yeah, if that makes sense. That seems like the opposite of what people want. I feel like people, and and we had a dis- a similar discussion like this when we were talking with when we had Bryce on. Uh, that's weird to say Bryce when we had Juicy on. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people talk about like their politicians or the people that they choose to follow, they create this demigod of a person that they want to be or that they expect to be perfect. So to hear you right. say that you made your life mistakes as a pastor in that world, in, in that, that world, yeah, under that scrutiny, yeah, yeah. What what is that like? That's oh, awful. Yeah. Well, you know, can you do, do, is it okay how, to describe a mistake? Yeah. So or? so like how to be authentic. Um, with addiction, mm-hmm. you know, for example, um, is, you know, it's just a real thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or, um, you know, like, oh, I'm supposed to be this guy who has everything together. But, but then, you know, I don't know how to have a, you know, raise kids. Like, yeah. like I've done this before. You're just mm-hmm. winging it. I'm winging, winging it like everybody else, right? Yeah. Um, or like, uh, you know, like the expectation is the, the wife is supposed to show up in a flowery dress and sing real pretty and play the piano. My wife does sing. Yeah. But she doesn't wear flowery dresses, though. So yeah. it's like half and half. Brandon does. Brandon wears flowery yeah. dresses. Thank you. Next. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, or just very core identity things that you've got to wrestle through and, yeah. and, and realize that you're not perfect. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. So, so then like, yeah, well, I've got to, And every single week I've got to get up in front of people and talk about things that are important. Sometimes I feel that, sometimes I don't. You know, yeah. so it's just like the the struggle becomes the opportunity, mm. right? The struggle to be authentic becomes the opportunity. And people may not want you to be someone who struggles, but you've got to I have to to do it authentically. Have to say I'm a person who struggles and um and and not always, you know, am I going to share all that with you know, it's not like a sure. sermon is not my therapy you know, session for the week, right? Mm-hmm. I've got to work on my own stuff, right? But as a person who works on my own stuff, I lead other people who are working on their own stuff. And then we realize that's what we're doing together. And that that opens the door, like, uh, for a lot of, of questioning and wrestling and 
um, vulnerability, I think, that that are, are is really necessary if we're going to do it right, if there is a way to do it right, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm kind of getting off Talked on about No, no, no. You're, let, we've neglected to ask our sweetie pie, Brandon, what his story is. No. Genuinely, don't come off. Yeah, with don't, don't say dumb no, shit. No, no. I, I do have a genuine story. Uh, it's going to be so, stupid. I no, know. I swear. <laughs> okay. So at a young, I believe in you, Brandon. We've been burned <laughs> too many Thank times. You. Yeah. If your friends I, won't, I, I yeah, it's like being in a bad relationship. <laughs> yeah. Brandon has hit he's us too many us. times. Yeah, he's really he, don't he burn does me, man. hit us. <laughs> he does. But no, uh, at a young age, I grew up in like a community style church, uh, one where everyone was welcome. Uh, with my mom. What denomination? It's like non-denominational. Non-denominational. Okay. So, uh, you know, my parents were divorced, and my dad, after he remarried, was going to a Pentecostal church. So, two completely different styles of church. Those services are lit, by the way. They are wild. They're awesome. (laughs) But with my mom's church, you know, it was more of just, uh, I enjoyed the company there. Like, uh, there were kids my age. They went to school with me in the same class and everything. So, I just went there to hang out. And at an even younger age, we would go to like the Bible schools and all of that. And I liked the WWJD bracelets and going to yeah, the, you did the little. Uh, <laughs> he goes, yeah, you did. <laughs> you fell for it, didn't I, you, Brandon? I, I, I love getting those. Uh, but I mean, as I got older, like you know, my dad's church was three hours just for the church service. If you went right. before for Bible school, it's another hour. Then afterwards, they would have food that's another hour and a half. That's five and a half hours. You live at church, right? Yeah, you live at church on Sundays. And then my mom would come pick us up Sunday afternoon. So I was like, we're at church all day. Yeah. My sister and I hated it. But I was never baptized, like, officially. Uh, My stepdad used to say that I was like, I had accepted Jesus whenever I was at a young age and all of this. But, like, I always sat in those chairs and lived in fear of communion because I was like, I'm not baptized. Everyone else is getting up around me. They're going to see this. And so, like, they would There's just... There's that fear thing. But yeah. yeah. And so many people fall... Like, they fall into lockstep yeah. because of that fear. And my, my stepmom's the greatest. Like, I, I love her to death because she would just tell us, you know, if you guys want to go to the back of the church and, like, you know, go back there and play, go to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. So well, this is a church where you have to be baptized to take communion? Yeah. To, okay. Yeah. At least that's what... Because we, do that we, di- we do that differently, but... You know that we can talk and about. this is the Pentecostal church yeah, at okay. this point, and it's a black Pentecostal church too. I don't know if you oh, you think we didn't know. You, oh, you said it was five oh. hours long. It is wild, Just jumping and screaming and all that. <laughs> but like, like during those times, I would everybody needs to fear. go to one of those. You it is an experience. Yeah, I had, it is. Truthfully, that was probably the most fun I've ever had at church. I don't know. I'm, it was I'm awesome. like, oh my goodness, when no. this end, dude, Man. it was lit. They will welcome oh my you gosh. in, and it'd be yeah. hugs. Everybody's fanning themselves. Yeah, like. Oh, pamphlets great. and shit. <laughs> it was good, man. But yeah, we would just go back there and hide until like it was all done, and we'd come back out like nothing happened. And I just, I just hated that feeling. And um, so then, as I grew older, like we just kind of stepped away from that. Whenever I got my license, and I didn't have to go anymore. Uh, and then I would started going back with my girlfriend in high school mm-hmm. because in order to date her, I had to go to church with them. There you go, bring it up. <laughs> there you go, bring it up. But man. then again, it was just the community thing that I liked. All of my friends were going. Then uh, college, I tried the, what is the uh, thing in college you could go to? FC. No, that's Not FCA, but like a like Campus crew? Crusade or something like that. Yeah, Crew is what BC, they... BC, like BC, the BC, studio, yeah. BSU, yeah. BCM, maybe. 
This sounds like we're describing BDSM. BBW? Is that what you were talking about? I saw a lot of stuff. But no, I, I like that for the same aspect, the social the people, aspect. Because yeah. like they welcomed you in. They actually they got me with free pizza at first. And then like That's how they trick you. All my friends started going. I played in the the band up there. Uh like I I just loved the fact that I knew people and people right. were welcoming me in. Then the I community stopped, element yeah, of the it. The community element of it. And then okay. after that I just sort of stopped. Stopped. I've got a question for you, Adam. Can you tell a difference between people that are there for the community aspect versus people who are really there? Or does that not matter to you? I think that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know if... They may not be mutually exclusive. I don't know that okay. they are mutually okay. exclusive. I, I, you know, like everything you describe sounds awesome, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. He's like that pizza. Yeah. It sounds, yeah, food and yeah. sharing life together and yes. all of that. I mean, like, I, don't, I think that's inseparable from faith. So one of the mistakes we've made, I think, is we've turned this, and this is like post-enlightenment, okay, I, church, uh, Protestant church, uh, our negative contribution to this deal is we've turned it too much into this intellectual exercise. Mm-hmm. So like faith is this thing you believe, right? And that means this X, Y, Z. And then, you know, sort of fundamentalism takes over. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it? What's the, you know, the fundamentalist question is what is the core, you know, like the basis of things you have to believe to be in or out. Yeah. Right. So then that becomes a tool of gatekeeping and boundary markers. Right. And so like, when like a purity test, almost a, pure, yeah. a purity test, right? Is exactly I think what it is. And then you know when you when you set those boundaries, and you're the one in the you know in the control, uh, mm-hmm. you're the one in the power. You're you're on the in group. You're always drawing that line. You're on the you're on the good side of that line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, who's out? Yep. Well, I know I'm in, so it must be <laughs> over here somewhere because you don't want to say you're out, right? Yeah. And you have the power in the situation to to say that, and then somebody inevitably is out, hmm. right? And and that. That doesn't, that doesn't, you've messed up. Yeah. I think. I think you've messed up. Well, and I think that that is, regardless of what we're talking about, religion or politics or whatever, even just, you know, micro level social groups that are devoid of any kind of attachment to a right. political ideology or something, when there's a dogmatic tone to things, it opens the door for people to be in group, out group, yes. and exclusionary when it comes to stuff like that. And, yes. and I think that. Um, when you talk about dogma and you talk about faith, like we're very anti-dogma, anti-dogma. with this stuff, right? But I am uh, too, and and that's the beautiful that's thing is that, to hear yeah, that 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 being dogmatic and preaching down and referencing something that is subjectively interpreted, right? It's it's highly it's subjective. All, it's all subjective. So okay, right? this with is more that, art than logic, right? Yeah, this is with more that, life than doctrine. With that but doctrine's in mind. important. I yes. think having having a foundation is important. Okay, so with that in mind, how do you how do you sort of if you're if you're if you're against dogma, the the Bible is there, it is written, it is not changing or anything like that. How do you sort of or do you use that very a, a whole lot whenever you go into when you go and preach or are you just sort of just speaking from within? How does that work? Because it's hard for me, truthfully, it's hard for me to to listen to as as much as I can go to any church, it's hard for me to really take a lot of stock of someone's message when it comes so heavily from from the Bible. Right. I feel like I feel like faith should be organic. It's something that's constantly changing, and you're going and you're talking about it and stuff like that. And it's hard to con- continuously reference the book we, over. Well, and you over. know what that reminds me of. What's that? 
you know, we talked about the concept of uh, when somebody's struggling, mm-hmm. that some of us, some of us, and you admittedly, um, have a propensity to want to fix it yes. rather than make the acknowledgement, that human acknowledgement, like, I see that you're struggling. Right. And I feel like what we're talking about here uh-huh. is the difference between, you know, you know, isolating some subjective interpretation of text and preaching that as a fix to things versus really connecting with other human That's beings. That's essentially what I'm what I'm asking you. Yeah. So you're 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 you use the word fix. I mean, this is a conversation that I'm having weekly or almost daily. Uh, that um, if you think the deal is uh, people need to be fixed, that they're inherently broken, that they are at the root are are broken or at the, at the core are bad, then I think that's what you do, right? If, and, and if you, if you think it's not that, then you do something different. So you're, you're asking me like, I, so I, I preach a sermon every week mm-hmm. and I have, I, I think, as I said, for a long time, yeah. most of most of my adult life, I do that, um, you know, in, in some relationship to the Bible every single week. Mm-hmm. The goal is to go in there and understand the context of the scripture. What's the truth there that that is now being, uh, you know, how, how does that apply? And does it apply? Um, so the Methodist tradition understands that that is interpretation. All right. So our, so, so there's no straight reading of the text. There's no, the Bible, there's no black and white that doesn't exist. Uh, so our tradition acknowledges that whatever you're doing, there is interpretation and that's, uh, influenced by some factors. Uh, so scripture, um, the tradition of, of the church that, you know, so the, the legacy of people living this out, uh, over the, the millennia reason, which is super important. You might as well acknowledge that we're putting this through the lens of our own, brains for, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. And then experience, which is not just a sort of postmodern, you have your experience, I have mine, but the, the recognition that God is at work in the world. Right. But what I like about that is that we, we acknowledge then that that is going to be more of a subjective experience. And there's a humility that comes with that. But I think there's kind of, there can also be some confidence so we can know some things and we can not know other things, but the th- even the things we know, like for example, you know, someone will say, you know, it, Jesus, if he really existed. Well, historically, we know Jesus existed. Now, what you say about Jesus and what that means, okay, we we can have a conversation, mm-hmm. right? Does that make sense? So, um, so when when you're talking about the Bible, and I think this is like probably maybe one of the greatest opportunities is to free people up from. Uh, or at least to have a conversation about what the Bible actually is and and what it isn't, right? Okay. Uh, and and what it is not is an instruction book that tells you directly how to live, and that might freak a lot of people out. Mm. I think it does. I think that's what scares people from not wanting to join the church. Say that again. I think that maybe not so much scares people that turns people away from going to the church because so many people have said, "I don't need a book to tell me how to live my life." So what happened for that misconception? Maybe in your doctrine, what happened for that to be a thing? It's easier. It's huh. easier to have this thing that's black and white, right? Well, so we wrote it down. The answer is we wrote it down, right? And then when you write it down, then it becomes black and white, and it looks like, you know, it looks like something that's black and white. When you have the Bible, you have all these genres of, of literature, right? So form criticism uh, is the is the way of, of studying the Bible to realize 
you know, you're going to read a song differently than you're going to read uh, maybe a historical account or wisdom literature or what a gospel is and, and uh, what the letters are. Like, so Paul's letters are used a lot. Okay, it says this in the Bible. This is what you should do. Women should not speak in church. So then that applies to all times, all places, where it was a letter that Paul probably was like, I don't know that anybody's ever going to read this, you know, past, past <laughs> right. God, this I, w- I wish women context. would shut up in yeah, church. Context. I'm going to write it down. Yeah, so right context there. is everything. <laughs> the genre, the form, like we treat the Psalms, like I'm working in the Psalms right now. We treat the Psalms like uh, the same that we would, you know, history. And it's like, this is a song, right? Like yeah. you choke the life out of it, even by speaking it, probably. This is wow. a poem. Uh, so like recognize that this is a song. So you have to do this in the spirit of the thing that it is. Right. So when it all gets lumped in there together and everybody can have their own personal copy and they think they know, and then some person has told them this. And then, um, uh, you know, they're the, I'm not an inerrant, uh, inerrancy guy, you mm-hmm. know, like, so the, the thought that it all fits in there and every part works with the other part. I mean, there are people all around who think I'm not a Christian for believing that. Really? Right? You know, that would argue with me, like, how can you be a leader in the church? And, and, and if it's, you know, people will say, you either take all of it or none of it. Oh, that's uh, not true. Yeah, it's, it doesn't, no. it never, nothing ever works that way. And yeah. we never have the, the confidence and the arrogance or the control that comes with that. Mm-hmm. That being said, then does that mean we have nothing? No, no. We have a conversation and engagement with God and with people that becomes like, where life happens, right? So if you use the Bible as a tool to disconnect from people or to control people, you've you've you're you're you've missed the point in, entirely. Mm. Uh, if you look at it as an engagement and experience of of a living God, man, that opens up the door for a, a lot of, you know, a conversation and and, and engagement. And Does it, I remember what I was going to say okay, earlier good. is, and this is kind of related to that is uh, one of the problems is people assigning a static value to a dynamic entity. That's great. That's well said. So, yeah. Something that's yeah. ever-evolving and changing yeah. in accordance with the context, right. and, and an individual wants to cherry-pick and assign this static value to something that's bound to context. Like, again, uh, the Bible is full of things related to cleanliness practices that were advantageous at the time, right. but they didn't know what germs were. Right. You know? They right. just understood cause and effect. Right. Um, same deal, like um, a lot of the stuff in the Bible regarding uh, gnashing of teeth and foaming at the mouth, you know, the convulsions that were associated with demon possession or something like that. Right. These are primitive people that didn't understand what epilepsy was right. also. So it's the cause and effect element of it. And and if we understand contextually that there are elements that were it, – it, it was written by people that didn't have – hindsight like we do. And again, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that got lost in the ether along the way. Absolutely. But still, context, context, and context. We can know that context, but we can also recognize that we will never understand it. So Pete Enns is somebody I would recommend. He's written a book called How the Bible Actually Works. He's written also um, a book called The Sin of Certainty and a couple others, I think. But uh, he, you know, he says in that book that the we need to recognize that the Bible is ancient and it is uh, obscure and it's diverse. Hmm. And you know that pushes against a lot of what people have been yeah. told about the Bible. But it's ancient, an- obscure, ancient, and diverse. obscure, and diverse. and diverse. So ancient, you know, recognize that this has come from a, comes from a very different context. Mm-hmm. And obscure means that we're not going to understand everything as clearly as we might want to. So there's going to be mystery, and it's diverse. It's not just one perspective. It's it's a myriad of perspectives over thousands of years. 
through different lenses and different, even in the, even in the story, you know, where people are, uh, in the, in the experience of, of, of God and of the, of what's going on around them, you know, it changes. And so his point is the whole goal of the Bible is in itself is to seek wisdom. And there are parts of the Bible that build on other parts. Even with that, the goal of the, of the tradition and of the community all along is to seek wisdom, how to live. And um, the Bible does that along the way within itself, and and that dynamic thing that you're talking about is that's that's what it is. That's what that's what we're we're doing now. We're okay. building on that. So one thing that I want to know about is you know we were talking about statics and stuff like that in w- within the Bible within its teachings. What are your views on heaven and hell? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of mystery there. Um, and I, I, you know, I could cop out and say I, I don't know. I don't know that helps your helps your listeners. I think that's. What do you, I think I, that's good that you can t- well, that you can say that you don't know. And, and I'll just go ahead and throw out again a little frame of reference. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that when you die you go to heaven or hell. They don't believe in hell. Uh, right. They don't believe in the hellfire doctrine whatsoever. And the rationale is why would an all loving, all knowing being create you? knowing you're going to fail only to damn you for fi- uh, fiery torment through all eternity. I agree. Ra- I agree rather than that. see you cease to exist. Yeah. Um, and I know we talk about things in terms of being humane, mm-hmm. um, which is a human concept yeah. in general. Humane, it's built into the, the word. But if you talk about an all-loving, omnipotent being, that doesn't reflect very well on being all-loving. Um, they believe that 144,000, the anointed, will go uh, after uh, Armageddon and go to heaven. But everybody else that has died has paid for their sins, and they'll be resurrected to paradise earth. And that's the paradigm that Jehovah's Witnesses work with. regarding. Yeah. And, and, so- and to be quite honest with you, that that very much set up... And, and by the way, Jehovah's Witnesses have the lowest retention rate of any major religion. Meaning, if you're born a Jehovah's Witness, you are much more likely to leave being a Jehovah's Witness, than any other denomination. I did not know that. And, and I will say that it is taught in terms of finding logical fallacies with other denominations, and eventually you take that same device that you use to critique other denominations and, and you turn, turn it, it inward. inward. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you get to a point where all you have left is the fear of non-existence. And the fear of non-existence is a bad mofo. Yeah. Even if you don't yeah. think you're going to hell... The thought of oblivion, yeah. ceasing to right. exist, will mm-hmm. rattle you to your I core. Bet, I bet so. And again, the moment that I stopped being afraid of non-existence, it was then like... there's nothing tethered. Yeah, yeah. Was, this enormous weight was lifted off yeah. of me. And it wasn't like I was like, well, let's go pillage some towns and burn shit to the ground. It was genuinely like an, an exodus that had transpired within my own you that know, psyche. freed you to be human. Yes. Yeah. I think that, one, that moment, too, that... that I, I guess hit some kind of freedom. I feel like I get it every single time I go out into nature. I'm on the trail. Is that I'm reminded of my insignificance every single time I walk outside and just look around. Yeah, like feeling small I, is a feeling. Great I do thing. not matter. It is a great thing. I just don't matter. Yeah. And so I think that is you know I just wanted to just add on to what you oh, were yeah. saying that that feeling of well of and just that's nothing. that's exactly the feeling mm-hmm. that that self importance and and my girlfriend and I talk about this and this is kind of an aside but I look at cemeteries. And I appreciate that each one of those individuals that is buried there, there is 
immeasurable amounts of love and grief and sentimentalism that's associate tradition, everything that's associated with this. Um, but it amounts to, logistically, it amounts to pollution, and it also amounts to the human inability to let go of our own, the mortal coil, so to speak. Like, you're going to, in, we, we make fun, I think a lot of conventional individuals make a caricature of, like, ancient Egypt, where they created these tombs and went to great lengths to embalm people. We do the same thing we in just modernity. just spread it out yeah, over lots just, of acres. Right. Yeah. 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 And eventually, not well, not even eventually, currently, it amounts to pollution. And again, I, I opt, I'm going to opt for being cremated, spread somewhere, whatever. And I really sincerely believe that the the embalming, the the dressing people up, the putting them in nice caskets, and then then delegating a spot through perpetuity where they reside physically is still it's, it's like a denial of the reality, of yes. the truth. Yeah, and mm, it's yeah. it's ongoing self importance as a human being, and when you let go of that self importance, like you were saying, mm -hmm. feeling small, going out in nature, things like that. Me saying, you know, if this is all there is, man, I love that. Yeah. It makes me savor every yeah. moment of yeah. this stuff because right. I do feel like there's a good chance that oblivion is just lurking right around the corner. So I I want to cop out on the hell question sure. for now. Uh, but the heaven thing, I think we could talk about in a constructive way because if if your if your view is uh, of heaven is the the reward you get to go to when you die, I think you miss the point of, of the yeah. whole, whole thing. Is right? it fear of punishment and hope of yeah, reward? Yeah, right, right. So, so then you're like, oh, you're well, like if, a dog. if you don't get mm -hmm. to go to heaven, then obviously you, you got to go to hell. So that, you know, and, and you start piecing things together in the Bible that I think aren't quite so tidy. Mm. But if you understand heaven as a reality going on currently, you know, alongside her. So in the beginning, the Bible begins this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of those as two realities that were never intended to be so distant that are going on concurrently, two realities that can influence each other, I think that changes the framework. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So then when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or um, Dallas Willard uh, will translate him as uh, saying the kingdom of the heavens, uh, you know what he's talking in, in you know, the Lord's prayer is about those two realities coming together. So God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and the, the way Jesus lived and taught is really a, a way of recognizing that heaven is not something that you wait for when you when you die and is some reward, mm -hmm. but is a reality that is breaking into the present now. You know that reminds me of a song lyric. Um, and I, and by it, the way, I can appreciate yeah, that can totally much more abstract that, yeah. kind of, I guess, peek at what heaven may or may not be versus this very concrete, right. uh, immovable right. concept. And streets of gold and, you know, yeah, all that. So, yeah. like, we're, again, we're using language to try to understand something. And then we make that like the thing rather mm -hmm. than the met metaphor yes. and totally choke the life out of it. And, right. tr and trying to make sense out of something that... It's it's ingrained in the word itself that our minds can't comprehend a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. And one of the things that it, I was saying that it reminds me of a song lyric, the way that you described heaven. Uh, they said in the song that heaven's not a place that you go when you die. It's that moment in life when you actually feel alive. And wow. to actually, I don't know when I've actually felt alive in my 32 years of being alive. There's been something like 
something that sort of keeps me from accessing this other thing that's there. It's like yeah. I Kalu see. has a hard time enjoying shit. Is what he's saying. Yeah. There's I, a little bit I, of that. I, I, I do too. I wouldn't say guess that about you. You seem like you know that you do. Oh, no, I'm I'm very calculated with. Yeah, he with is a super. Lot of like if everything. things are going too good, I totally like if yeah. Kalu is too comfortable. He's like, oh, what's about to go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, it's um. So it's, let's go into therapy mode. Like, why? What makes you feel? No, I'm just, oh, I'm pro I'm therapist. Totally, I love yeah, them. Yeah, I, yeah, I am too. No, um, I just i I think it's it's a. I, I think I keep it at a somewhat maybe no, decently healthy level, I guess. But um, again, I I do think that it's a productive it, thing. But you productive. you route it towards. I think something. it can be, and you yeah. know, then so you can go on beyond that and say well then so that points to something that you know this isn't the fullness of whatever yes. you know was intended and I think it's hard to argue that it is yeah right it's really hard to argue that it is mm-hmm. i want to say one more thing about the bible if we can i think it's really important and kind of look like blows the whole thing up sure is that you have to recognize the bible is written by an oppressed people by a powerless people mm. and then put in the hands of people a privilege and power uh it's almost wrong from the start. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Dude, and I was even going to ask you about that because, you know, we talk about the concept of how, like, a rumor. Somebody, I could tell you something, you tell it to someone else, and three people down the road, that that rumor has been altered. And that's just within, you know, a matter of days within our current context. Not over hundreds, if not thousands of years. And... Again, we live in the information age. It's an entirely different context. Um, you had, like you said, it was written by oppressed people. Then it was almost weaponized by the power class for a long period of time. The Dark Ages, the only people that could read were the clergy yes. and royalty. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it was overwhelmingly just used as a vector of control in the Middle Ages. It has been in modern times uh, you know? absolutely I mean, you're absolutely. right absolutely you know so and even the- if you can't read it's almost like you just bequeath your um your knowledge your um your your desire to learn on your own you sort of just give that up to someone that's standing up on the the pulpit that's yeah, what but that no longer works right because yeah. people can read their own stuff right. you know like yeah but that, information that's what I'm is like, not even, a power and it's not it's not controlled anymore right yeah i get yeah i guess so but I, I i still feel like even the people that can read and have the ability to they just don't do it and i've always been of the mindset that like and this is also why i think that um why i learned a lot more when i stepped away from the church it's, it's from this quote that i that i'm 100 on board with it's when you're ready to learn life's lessons life's teachers will appear. When you're ready to experience life's lessons, those teachers will disappear. So when I think that I took a lot of the lessons, whether it was from church, whether it was from all these other, these things that I've listened to, like when I decided, hey, I'm ready to live and sort of try and experience this, I could not do that while still subscribing to these people to be telling me these things because I feel like there's no better teacher than experience. Well, and they're just humans too. They are just humans. And so, right. what, so right. it's it's but, hard. Go ahead. No, no, I don't want to cut you off. You no, no, it, it was just saying that, like, it would if I were if I were a a preacher. Um, one of the weird things that I think that I would do. It, well, it doesn't feel weird to me, is to tell people like, get out, go and live, go and experience you life. Forced Rumspringa. You uh, gonna tell them? Yeah, to it's go, like go it is like a Rumspringa. Yeah, it was like go out there and live, and then come back. Let's talk about it. And let's learn from each other. Well, and I know it's some corn dog nonsense. Well, it isn't really nonsense, but 
the idea of uh, what is it? If you hold a butterfly too tightly in your hand, it'll die. It'll die. And that's the thing. Right. Like you, if it. If I you, had a girlfriend that said, you know, if you love it, let it go. And if it comes oh, back she said when she's real, breaking up yeah, with but you, she's not my wife. So I mean, <laughs> she was right. Uh, it kind of breaks down at some point. I don't know what that is, right? You Do know, we so, have a therapy session now? Right, no, that was my turn. Yeah. So like, but so then I live in this tension of like this system created the opportunity for me to give my, you know, make my life's vocation to to be in a room and talk about this with you guys, yeah. right? Like, so my salary comes from people who give so that we can create something beautiful in the world and yes. we can go, uh, and, uh, we, we, tr- you know, it's like this hard to talk about cause it, like, you don't want to, we're not trying to, we do not as a community are not looking for any credit, but we're, we're trying to get in there and partner with people who are out there on their own and are doing great stuff. You know, we're trying to bring, uh, people resources and, mm-hmm. and energy and passion, to you know really important things uh that are you know transforming people's lives yeah. you know and so um, we're trying to change the stories of other people and you it's know, an just, all volunteer army and it's a volunteer mm-hmm. army right and and so that we're not going to talk about that we're not going to you know pound you know like it's inherent that we're not going to try to draw attention to ourselves for that so sometimes i think people only hear the negative mm-hmm. Uh, you know, about the church, you know, quote unquote, and there's plenty, <laughs> there's plenty that's negative. Right. But there's also this side, as you were saying about the Jehovah witness thing, like there's a lot of beautiful stuff that happens. Like, so music, you know, is almost in a way preserved, has been preserved through mm-hmm. this tradition, you know? Um, and I think there's a tremendous opportunity back to the Bible being written by oppressed people. Um, that if, um, if we're able to recognize that and hear that for what it is, um, I think we can stop oppression. I think oppression, you know, can be minimized and exploitation and things. Uh, I think we can give power to people that have been, you know, um, disempowered. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I live for that stuff, right? I'm trying yeah. to learn how to, 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 to do that, right? So I feel like I personify this tension that we're talking about. There's like, I've, I've got my issues and also like I have a calling from, you know, from God to be about the most important things that you can be about, you know? So, and I, and I hope that, that I can lead every other person to live in that, that tension and that dynamic, you know, that in, in my sphere of influence, you know, speak. Okay. So on the sphere of influence, do you think, do you believe that you're living your life 100% as you, when you have so many eyes on you and you have so many people that are essentially, I mean, they're paying your salary, Right. And there's this unspoken of expectation that you're, and I'm doing my air quotes, supposed to perform for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how does how does faith stay pure when you're getting paid for it? When it's, you know, yeah. everyone has this thing where it's like, oh, it's my, your passion. You can do this for free or something like that. And yeah, but when, it also feeds my kids. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you? Like balance that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know that I always do well, but, you know, there, there was a point along the way where I realized I was trying, doing what I do to try to make people happy. And that's more of a people pleasing thing, you know, within me. And I try to think of what I do now as being as fully present as possible. So even like when I'm standing up in front of people and what's maybe helpful in this is I'm probably not the charismatic leader who needs to be up in front of people to feel alive. Like if I didn't have, you know, if I didn't have that in my life tomorrow, I'm pretty sure I would be okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not like my personality was like, I'm the upfront guy, you know? Well, and, and to me, it almost seems like 
the way you're stating it, it's, and, and I, I'm totally on board with this concept because we've even talked about this in previous podcasts because I'm a, I'm a contextual socialist. Contextual. Like, you know, I, it, I always say in a perfect world, I'd be a libertarian, but the world imperfect. Kalu, That's why I'm a libertarian. Kalu said he imperfect. is a libertarian because the world imperfect. I mean, we're, we're, we're two sides of the same coin. But uh, built into that system, even though it pays the bills, I think it's less about paying the bills than having your basic needs met so you're freed up to do your job. Yeah. So, so you yeah, can that's, explore that's right. things fully. Um, and, and that's sort of a gut check all the time, oh, you know, yeah. to kind of yeah. answer your question, I think. Like, why am I doing this? And it's always going to be a mix of motives. So, you know, you're just kind of always – I feel like more so now I'm freed up to be who I am mm-hmm. uh, and less you – know, so if, this, if the system is about control, like I give my money – because I want you to do this thing, then that, uh, uh, if you're doing it right, that will break down. You know, mm-hmm. it'll either stop working or the, you know, that control thing. You know, so like one, like I've, uh, my brother-in-law asked this question. He's not, he's not part of a church. He said, you know, you know, family member church. He, he said they have to tithe. They have to give. They have to give ten percent. Yeah. Their income. And it's like, he's like, do you all have that? Like we have that, but it's not like that at all. Yeah. Right. Like so the. If you're giving for any other reason than out of a sense of connection to God, if you're giving of yourself or your money or whatever, if there's if you're doing that for any other reason, don't do it, hmm. right? If you're trying to control the situation or use your money to influence, you you're, get to get your way. I I don't I don't want it. Don't you know, don't give it. It's hard for me to to have a spiritual connection with anything and be thinking about money at the same time. Like I just, I've just, right. Like, I just can't in my head Money be is like your religion. You no, 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 no. That's <laughs> why. But, but what's the? But what's the alternative? Right. Yeah. Like to despiritualize it and say it has no influence on it. And it's you know, like that. So like you might as well own that. I, yeah. I yeah, think it's disingenuous. I think you might as well. You know, so we have this like bias toward money. Where it's like, or, or let's talk about it as like the great opportunity that it is. It, it reveals like your heart, like where your treasures, your heart will be also is what yeah. Jesus said. And we think that, uh, we hear that the opposite. We hear it as like, oh, whatever you care about, then you're going to, you're going to, you know, invest in it. Put money into it. The yeah. truth is where you invest your life and money's a piece, piece of that, yeah. then that's that's going to shape you and form you. So let's mm-hmm. be intentional about that. Let's, uh, let's uh, recognize it and own it. And then structure our lives, live in disciplines that help us yeah. uh, grow into the people that we want to be that we currently are, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me, and I, again, I've brought this up on previous podcasts. I watched a video, and it was a rabbi um, explaining this. It's kind of like a parable and uh, related to the concept of fish love, where a uh, an older man walks by and sees a younger man fishing, and he was like, young man, why are you fishing? And he was like, well, because I love fish. And he was like, so you love fish, that's why you put a hook in its mouth, yanked it out of the water, gutted it, cooked it up, and ate it. You don't love the fish, you love yourself. And the the concept of fish love is overwhelmingly, it, it's related to objectification of external things. When you really love something, it's when you place part of yourself into it, and then you're loving part of yourself that you've placed into another individual. And I know that that's just kind of peripherally related to what you were saying, but it popped in my head immediately. This idea of, um, we say we love this, or we love, even we talk about the religion. 
um, or a religion, people can say they love God. But why do you love God? Do you love God because you're afraid of going to hell and you hope to go to heaven? And let's be honest. There's enormous psychological diversity amongst people that are religious. Not everybody is physiologically capable of looking at things in such dynamic terms. It's just a fact. They can operate right. and, and carry on a, a normal conversation, but there are, there are people that cannot look at things in such dynamic, abstract terms. They need that concrete stuff. They need concrete stuff. And no yeah. matter what we do to explain it to them, they are not equipped physiologically to make those connections. Right. And it's an unfortunate. It's like, what's the answer to the yeah. test? You know, yeah. Like, and you know, do you like have problems gonna, with that in your be... congregation? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're fortunate. We're fortunate, or whatever. I think we have, we have uh, a, a lot of people who want to do the thing that we're, you know, we're doing here. You know, that that aren't, aren't just looking for give me the answer so that I know what to do. And I don't mm -hmm. have to worry. I think, but that is an impulse. Yeah. You know, I think it's a human impulse. So if you're not going to get it in religion, you're going to find it someplace else, mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah. Just, have, uh, just uh, religion just, is just, everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, everything, just, yeah, everything's a, is religion. What is it? Um, what is it? Religion and the art of motorcycle repair. Is that the book's name? I don't know. Well, it explains basically how you can, you can translate all of the elements of organized religion devoid of the spiritual elements and the specifics and translate that to almost any endeavor that you invest yourself wholly into. And the immediate comparison, obviously, is motorcycle repair. Sure. But think about, you know, you were talking about spirituality and, and, and money and how you feel like that those are pretty mutually exclusive in your well, mind. Well, I'm saying, like, my thing with spirituality is that if I'm having, if I'm in a church and I'm having a spiritual moment, like, the last thing I'm thinking is giving anyone money. It, it's mm. it's not tithing. It's just, that's, that's just not something I'm thinking well, about because I think that my internal investment, the fact that I'm thinking about something means more to me than the fact that I'm paying for something. Well, do you think that spirituality resides in that area where we talk about profundity, chasing profundity, yes. like yeah. that feeling of experiencing some something inexplicable. It's, it's a chase for like flow state. I, I equate like like we've talked about, you know, flow state and you have you heard you yeah. probably heard you spin, you know what I mean? You you teach a spin class. Yeah, I'm also a pianist. So Re like I you get know flow state oh, yeah. right there. Yeah. So for those of you guys who don't, and this is my thing. Yeah, Kalu loves flow. I, I love mean, I talking too. about I think, it. Yeah. Know, but. but you know the the scientific term is you know they call it transient hypofrontality, and that's when you know essentially that part of your uh, prefrontal cortex essentially shuts off, and you're not worried about you're not scared. It's you're almost not scared of anything. Like you're not worried about what people think of you. You're not worried about getting hurt, getting injured. You're just living in whatever this universe is. And, and like, that is something that I constantly chase, whether it's, you know, when I'm on the bike or I'm, I'm on a trail or something like that. Sometimes it happens if I'm like, it, it's happened just recently. I borrowed your guitar. I was sitting there playing guitar on my couch and it just like, I didn't even know how long I was playing, but I think that moments like that, that happen in a church, that those are the moments where if I get caught in one of those things, I'm not thinking about tithing. I'm not thinking about doing anything. Like I don't in fact I don't know what the hell is going on. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, I don't think beautiful. people ever do that at our church. You know, huh? like if it gets close to that, I just fall asleep, you know? So, <laughs> you know? but like, what if that, what if that flow state happens when you're serving somebody else? Then, like, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe that's the best we get, yeah. right? Is like, you can't, it's not, it's, it's not totally selfless, but it is being, you know, being selfish by being selfless, if that yeah. makes sense, right? Like, you know, I'm going to serve myself by giving my life away. And yeah. that's, you know, if you if you believe anything about the message of Jesus, I think you have to you know think that's that's what that is at least what he's pointing to sure. is that kind of giving of yourself that is not just a way to make yourself important. Yeah, you don't care about like you like when I said when that part of your brain shuts off, importance or how you look or how you sound it like you don't care about it anymore. It yeah. just doesn't, and then all of a sudden you snap back into it, and you're like, "The hell just happened." Well, you know and what I mean? in in keeping with that, Brandon was kind enough to enlighten me that what book I was referring to is Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Okay, okay, Zen. Okay. Yes, okay. And, and Zen is equated with flow state, mm-hmm. right? With spirituality. I right. mean, Zen essentially means everything, the connectivity yep. between right. everything, and. That's the thing is like it's how we label our spiritual experiences. Exactly. So religion is religio. We get ligament from that Latin. So re-ligamenting, put, how we put the world together, right? Mm-hmm. So that kind of so you can have that for you know like we all do that. I think is what we have in been all saying. my thirty four yeah. years. I never thought about I, yeah. the the derivation of the word religion. Yeah, that's actually pretty awesome. I didn't know that either. No, I didn't. So Latin's I want, handy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is handy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. Entomology's handy. <laughs> when was the not entomology? That's not so. That that's is bugs, thing. isn't it? I like no, bugs. I like bugs. No, what's your thing with mushrooms? Mycology. Mycology. Oh. I don't want to talk yeah. about this. Yet. I'm not I talking like about mushrooms. mushrooms. <laughs> hey, I, got, I like mushrooms, dude. I'll hook you up. I've got some some really choice like what would amount to. Do you cook big, a lot. Yeah, yeah. He and he, I'm a gardener too, by the way. Yeah. Dude, Just I've so got put this out there. Trails. I get pounds of them. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'll hook you up. Yeah, <laughs> he's crazy about that. I tricked I him in eat. Have you ever heard of Chicken of the Woods? Pissed me off. No, so bad. it's this big. It, I mean, it looks like looks plumage. Orange. Yeah, yeah, it's orange and white. I and do know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, that it's it's a, one of the it most. It grew choice. on this tree in our yard, and some guy came and picked it off. Yes, because it's yeah, one it of the. I thought he was really chicken. weird. It's dude, I pulled you. over like driving in Scottsville and pulled over and seen. Something beautiful growing on the side of somebody's tree, and and went up, knocked on their door, and be like, "Hey, I know this is weird, but do you mind if I get this mushroom off the side of your old tree?" It and usually they're you, like, "Actually, no, that's <laughs> <a crazy> person." <laughs> but uh, yeah, I tricked Kalu. I was like, I handed him something. I had a dinner party here, and he was like, "What is it?" And I was like, "Chicken." And he ate it, and he was like, mm, "That's good." And I was like, "It was a mushroom, bitch." <laughs> and he since so then mad. he has not trusted anything I've tried I to trust feed him, him since. No, yeah. no. Uh, when describe your last experience that that you sort of felt like you hit if you want to call it flow or whatever what was your last spiritual experience hmm. you know this is going to sound odd because I, I mentioned not ne- needing to be the guy up front talking even though that's what i end up doing a lot yeah. and, you know i do a lot of other things too and people think you know the joke is like you know you work one hour a week well i work three so thanks you know? <laughs> i work three um, but, um, you know, that's just, just a small part. So that's, yeah. it's, and it's always the culmination of this almost sometimes gut wrenching process to be 
as present as possible through the preparation and to engage and to ask tough questions and to tear it down to the ground and then build it back up sometimes. And sometimes that's just exhausting. I think for many years, for decades probably, uh, I was so exhausted by the time I got up to, to talk that I, you know, I'd done so much work that I was not able to be present in the moment mm. and so not to have flow. Um, my first experience of real flow was at the piano you know, and I learned to play by ear some, you know, somewhere along the way. And man, it just, you know, I was in a church service and I'm something, you know, like I was rising above the, yeah. like, I didn't know what my hands were doing, you know, like, mm -hmm. and they were, they were doing things that I didn't know they could, you know, mm -hmm. I was playing things I couldn't, couldn't have played before. I have that now standing in front of people. Really? Like, mm -hmm. like. Um, the, the, the challenge of doing it is like, you feel what they feel, right? Like it's the most connective kind of moment, right? I'll be completely honest. I had that same experience once kind of when my shit caught up with me mm. and I had things in my life I needed to tell people about and get help yeah. and go, go to therapy and all, yeah. all that. And I went to spin class. I haven't told this to many people, so this is going out into the he world. He beat my ass in spin class, man. I, I would join your stuff in the morning. And I'd right. just be like, fuck, here, I'm about to die today. <laughs> yeah. This preacher dude's about to whoop my ass with a smile on his face, man. <laughs> I'm just like, ugh. I love that so much. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I'm not going to go out with you on the gym floor, though. Okay, so let's just kind of <laughs> yeah, like, no, let's no. stay in our little worlds. But, you know, I went to spin class, and I was like, I was looking at the people there, and it was like I've never felt more connected to people in my life. Wow. So this moment of being real. There's and, no pretense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I don't think I knew how much I was caught up in the pretense of you know perfectionism that I think religion you know faith can bring like I mean, this is supposed to make a difference in your life right mm -hmm. so then like the whole goal is that you're you got everything together and then if you're the person standing up in front of everybody and, and you feel like that's the ex expectation that all just crashed yeah at my feet yeah and um, I didn't die right mm -hmm. not only did I survive that. But I was able to feel this connection to the rest of humanity, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's not, I'm trying to describe something that is really, you know, there aren't words for that. You yeah. know, like I'm putting words to something that is like, I don't, I don't really know one how to describe it. One plus one equals three right now. I don't know how to describe yeah. that, right? Yep. So what does that tell you then? So then how cool. do I, you know, how do I live my life now? How do I lead? And how am I a person of faith having had that experience? You know, that's, you know, sort of what I've been living into for many years now. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I that I've always noticed about you, and, one, and truthfully, one of the things that that drew me to you and what I like about you—it's my outfit. Yes, again, <laughs> I, I'm about to make this about me. <laughs> First of all, it's your outfit, but no, no, seriously, it's it's the fact that your faith is like your arm. It's like just another part of you, and for a lot of people their faith is like a necklace. It's like a Mercedes. Mm. It's like this other thing. You oh, don't yeah. pay attention to seeing someone else's arm. I'm just like, oh, that's that's Adam. He's a preacher. Like that, I think for me, it is the most approachable, the most comfortable. Like, I think that that's how it should be. Um, and so I, I just, I just want to take a second to be like, man, I appreciate that part about you and the fact that you can talk like that. And I think that if people especially people that are in your church get turned off by any of the stuff you're saying right now. Like 
my truthfully, what I have to say to you is like you've been you've been missing out the whole time. You've been focusing on the wrong thing the whole time. Yeah. Because for someone like me who doesn't go to church, right, to be like, damn, like this dude is like making he just yeah, and, he's just making sense. And I don't know if I brought this up, but I am admittedly what is it a de facto? It's it, I only use the term to describe myself, not because I have any affiliation to a group of individuals mm-hmm. or an ideology, but I am what would be considered an anti-theist. Mm-hmm. On a macro level, I believe religion to have a very pervasive impact on humanity. Um, in most contexts, I believe that in order for humanity to make progress, we have to push past certain dogmatic belief systems. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, me being the type of anti-theist that I am, I tend to I don't. I have no desire to rain on people's parade, and actually, with my profession, um, working with the populations that I do—people with severe mental illness, addiction, homelessness—I see enormous utility in the community and the profundity and the love and all that connectivity that people experience by um, involving themselves or immersing themselves in—and I won't say a religion, but a community of individuals that possess empathy. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a religion. Sure. It's a community of empathetic individuals. So it that's one of the essential components of it is if a congregation of if, if you foster an environment where people are free to be themselves, they're there voluntarily, mm-hmm. yeah. they're going to they're going to put their best foot forward. They're going to be open to new experiences, expressing yeah. themselves empathetically. Right. So I'm very very encouraging when it comes to people that you know when when you're battling schizophrenia, and I can't attest to this because you know I'm on the outside looking in, but I can only fathom that when you don't know what's real, mm. you don't know you know you've got these voices and a lot of a lot of people that I um, I work with um, clients that I work with even acknowledge like if they've uh, if they're medicated appropriately they understand that these voices that they're hearing are not that they're a symptom of their mental illness and not actually some entity that's speaking to them. Right, right. But when you've got utter chaos erupting and you're clinging to whatever you can as far as your sanity and your clarity is concerned, having that framework, having ha- feeling like that you've got at least some measure of accountability and community goes enormous distances with you kind of setting a foundation to build from. And they're really, and admittedly, as an anti-theist, admittedly, for folks that I deal with um, that are in dire straits, there's nothing more fundamental that I've seen when somebody's clinging to life and needs something to hold on to than the community of Religion, and right. I say that very generally because yeah. even we've acknowledged every step mm-hmm. of the way that just because it's religion doesn't mean that it's going to be a positive thing. I think it's, uh, I think people can create something positive even if the overarching framework isn't necessarily positive. I think yeah. even within congregations that might, the ship may be off course. There's still going to be people within that congregation that, you know, carry with them these noble concepts and ideals, but. Man, it and you know, I won't even say that it takes uh, humbling myself to acknowledge that. It's just a fact. Right. With me, with me being open 
to new experiences and ideas. And I think that's one of the fundamental things with what you do and what we're doing here together is laying yourself open and not deciding. It's not an adversarial thing. It's not, nobody's here looking to win. No. It's, it's the, the quest for knowledge and understanding and community and feeling connected with one another. And that is a, there's hardly anything better on this planet than feeling tapped in and connected yeah, with other right. individuals. Yeah. It's exhausting. The, it you is. It is hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. people are hard. Is this a part where, where I tell you all you're going to hell? Or I mean, where's, <laughs> yeah. When does that, when does that yeah. happen? No, this is the good part. <laughs> this is the good part. No, I, just, speaking I, of, I think we're all just waiting on our seat numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's speaking of that, you know. Given the the way that I, I feel of, bad saying that now. No, no, you're, 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 you're just trying to be funny. He's going to go home just be like, it's a shame oh, those dudes oh, are so are good. Burning, and then, <laughs> it's like, damn, it's just a shame. We were just, I but, loved it. It was like a piece of candy for me. <laughs> but what I want to know is that given the way that your personality is, um, what if, and I asked Caleb this, um, what if you're Sweet wrong? Caleb. I love Caleb. What if you're wrong? About what? About your faith, about what you're believing in, about all of it. What if you're wrong? You know, sort of like the the cliche Christian answer is like, well, if I'm wrong, then nothing happens. And if you're wrong, you're yeah, wrong. Yeah, right. oh, I'm is. doing the jack I'm, off motion. I'm, 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 <laughs> so I'm reading this uh, <laughs> uh, um, biography of this Methodist preacher in this area from the Civil War era. Yeah. And he drops that line on somebody God. like in the 1830s or but something like, like that. Oh, you know, like he burned, burned, like, okay. So I don't buy into that. Yeah. You know, I don't, this is really hard to describe. Like, so what, what if, you know, all the layers and all, you know, whatever, when it comes down to it, what if there really is a God, Mm -hmm. right? And it is about God loving us. And that's, you know, every other layer is built on that. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to talk about if that doesn't exist. Right. I don't know. I don't. Uh, well, I, I'll say my contingency because I've run into that same cliche statement right. before, and we've already discussed. I hate it. I hate, yeah, it. I I hate it so much. I just it's, wanted to. It's you disgusting. Know. It's yeah. it's it's the whole it's, hope of reward for de- your punishment, and yeah. it's dehumanizing to the person you're talking. Absolutely. to. Absolutely, it's like, are you only in it for yeah. to prevent this or hope for this? Um, you know, I I want to say that one of the things that and. I, I thought about this, you know, just because Caleb said it is he described it like he said it's like just a it's like he says for him and he'll let me know if I'm wrong because he lives across the street from me like the the heaven or whatever you want to call it is like dessert after dinner. And he says that for him, as long as he cleaned his plate, as long as he ate his vegetables and lived life to his fullest, he's okay with that. Well, that that's what I was going to say is that. Obviously, you know, I, I espouse belief in, you know, quantifiable, evidence-based, you know, scientific things. I make allowances for uh, the vast majority of things that I don't understand and will never understand, cannot fathom. Because everything we have is framed up in this terrestrial, basically, like, yeah. you know, it's three-dimensional, but we're all residing on the surface of a rock floating in the middle of nowhere. And perce- we're perceiving that. Through, yes, mm-hmm. and you know, we frame everything else up all in, perception. in those very yeah. limited terms. That sounds terms. so Buddhist, I know. But, <laughs> I know. but, but that's, that's but a beautiful thing. But it doesn't mean thing, it's wrong. Well, yeah. in Buddhism, we were talking about Zen, it, it, it just belies the connectivity between all things. Is 
I like to think that with me making the allowance that, yeah, there might be a God, when I think about the potential for there being a God, I want to give God as much credit as possible. Okay. So the God that I, I guess, I picture or I fathom is not going to punish me for doing my best and being honest with myself. Right. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. You know, if I'm 100% honest with myself, I do not currently believe. I don't have anything that spurns me to believe. Um, I don't feel like I have a hole. Uh, I don't I don't fill it with other things either. I'm very content. And I will say, again, by virtue of my profession, I get a good feeling out of it. Yeah. I do. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a selfish thing. Ultimately, it's a selfish thing, even though I'm helping other people. But I cannot fathom God, um, even a caricature of the God that any number of religions espouse belief in, would punish an entity that he, she, it knowingly allowed to exist to or exist. created yeah. for, being, for doing its absolute best based upon genetic predisposition and socialization and then being 100% genuine and honest with their belief system. Because if I were to take up um, a religion or I was going to pursue a religion, be open to it, and I have been open to it. I haven't. I have no desire to draw a line in the sand. I'm open to whatever. Yeah. But I would. It would be a case of faking it till you make it, kind yeah. of deal with yeah. me. I, I feel yeah. like until I, I'm. You know, when you get immersed into a social climate, it it does it changes you. It it changes yeah. your brain, the way mm-hmm. it functions, your your physiology, and again that that underscores enormously how dynamic and ever-changing not only humans are, but our social institutions that we put in place. Yeah, yeah. But again, like I said, I feel like I give God more credit than a lot of people that are very deeply religious. Right. I agree with that. So the Bible you know, comes back into the discussion. Like, So the Bible was not really written to answer those questions. So we bring those questions and kind of force them on the Scripture. Like, who's going to hell? Who's going to heaven? I don't think the, Bi- the Bible was, was uh, wrestling with those questions or the problem of evil in the same way that we are. So there's a developmental nature to kind of even the collective sort of engagement with God. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we bring a lot of modern uh, contemporary questions to the, the scripture that the people who were writing it were, just weren't, weren't there yet. Like what? Uh, you know, so the question, why, why, how could a bad things happen to good people or why would a guy, good guy create someone who then is destined to hell? You know, I just don't think that's a, that's a more modern framework than much of the scripture, you know, was wrestling with. Mm-hmm. So I think um, there is sort of a progressive understanding of God, you know, that is, we see even in the Bible. Right, we might as well. We've already acknowledged the dynamic, yeah, New dy- Testament versus d- old. dynamic nature of that, uh, and it's not so tidy to, to to tie up and say how how that works. You know, so the, there are scriptures in in you know in the Old Testament that seem you know like you cannot you cannot argue that you know, they believed that God was telling them to kill people, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, you know, genocide. Mm-hmm. Then you have to if you're going to be authentic with scripture, um, and this kind of gets what you're saying, like people in the Bible say it all works out together. Like I. I think you have to say that was people misunderstanding, you know, the problem, you know, the, the, the go kill people like they're, they're somehow 
they're 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 just not they're not getting it yet, mm. right? And I think faith not only allows that, but I think it requires that that kind of questioning. Do you question something? Well, first of all, this, there's two questions here. Given with what given what you just said, how often do you reference the Old Testament in your preachings? A lot. So I really? st- I studied. I, I, I say that. Oh, I'm, I have to think back if that's true. So my undergraduate was in religion and philosophy and in modern languages. Um, so Spanish and he, a lot of Hebrew. Uh, I did a lot of uh, Old Testament work in undergrad. Uh, in undergrad. So uh, if you understand this as a story of people encountering God, and you know this is like these are people herding sheep, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Mm. So like this is. Like when I heard the stories of King David when I was growing up, like, oh, he, like he's like King Arthur, you know, he's got yeah. that like red robe on, you know, with the white, you know, fringe and the black dots, you know, like, mm-hmm. no, this is like, these are people who were never much of anything caught in the middle of nowhere, like literally nowhere. Like caves and huts. Yeah, and right, like right. And always at the mercy of other more powerful, you know, people. History is told by the winners. Except, right. except yeah, in is. the Bible. Okay. You, you, Their history is told by the losers. Huh. Doesn't and that turns everything upside down. And you start <sighs> turning the world upside down and then it starts to make sense. But so. don't you also think that it 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 was because there was such a long amount of time where there were people who couldn't read, who couldn't write or anything like that? It seemed like a lot of the winners they they might have taken. Maybe it was they maybe the it. Bible was originally written by the, the losers. Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So we read that we read the Bible through all of those layers, mm-hmm. right? But what's beautiful about the the Bible is that the texts, uh, you know, um, are are or ancient, you know, we go back to, we do go back to the original, mm-hmm. you know, not the original, original, but to ancient, ancient, ancient texts, uh, more so than with any other literature, you know, okay. that we have from, from antiquity. So in a way you can't undo that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I personally believe if we flip everything upside down, like what you were saying about the need for uh, community within uh, the, the homeless population or with uh, people with mental illness or, you know, as um, Brene Brown says in one of her books, like leave it to a bunch of drunks in a church basement to, to, to teach us the lessons of life. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are dealing honestly with addiction. It's the truth, yeah, man. It's the truth. Right. Yeah. So those are the people that lead us. Right. So I think a, a, a predominantly white church in Bowling Green, Kentucky, needs to go to black leaders and say, "What's what? Are, what? Are, where can you lead us? How can we help? Mm. How how can you guide us? Yeah, to uh, to something different, to the world God intended. And you know, the beauty of um, the power of that is that you have learned lessons through um, the dehumanizing. Uh, and um, exploitive culture of our country, you've learned lessons that now can lead us out of our own in exploitation and and division, if that makes sense. Sure. I'm, okay. I'm hopeful that we can do that kind of thing in, in a place like Bowling Green. I think, you know, that, you know, so there's a responsibility to understand the world's been flipped upside down and the kingdom of God, if that's what we call it, is that, is that, is that flip? All right, so I, I do. Ha- I do want to ask. So when, I feel like I'm when, opening more cans of yeah, words. No, no, closing no, this no, down. Me, dude, I know it's just like yeah. All right. So when you had said going and talking about talking to 
the black church leaders and stuff like that. One of the the questions it doesn't have to be the church. Either, oh, okay, by the way. okay. But yeah. one of the questions that I had always had, and maybe this is because I I know my heritage. I know where my name comes from. I know right. what it means. Right. Like I, I'm first generation American. So as far as I know, slavery wasn't something that we dealt with. Even though a large majority of slaves came through Nigeria, right? How is it that it, it's it's hard for me to not see Christianity as the master's religion because I know what was there before that. I was taught what was there before that. Me- meaning what? the Different deities and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, so like among African people yes. is what you mean before. So, and, before, and so Christian- the, yeah, before Christianity before came. Before Christianity came yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when Christianity came there, so did a lot of killing. So did, oh, we'll convert you. But you're also really strong. You're also really this. We're, we can use you over here. And then also the fact that Christianity was used as in, a, in it was weaponized because there was a little bit of fatalism there because people were taught, hey, if you don't jump off this ship and kill yourself, there's a bigger reward later yeah, on down it, the line. If you yeah. work in this field yeah. all this time, there's this much bigger reward. That's not just African slaves. That is the poor all yeah. throughout, that's you know, right. You, just well, and, Europe, and then, everywhere. And then, who was it um, that wrote the Protestant work ethic, the sociological oh, text, the Protestant um, work ethic? Because that, it, it, it's yeah. a threat. It's a it's a nod, more than a nod, to how exactly what you're saying was utilized overwhelmingly for like working class whites in the development of this country. Aside from you know slave components and things like that, the Protestant work ethic fostered this idea of invest um work yourself to death because there's light at the end of the tunnel that's that's a very very rough over like a crass simple yeah but but, it, he, but, but it, it, it's it's not off it, it lubricated mm-hmm. the wheels of capitalism in the united states is really what happened it fostered this uh this overarching social theme whereby our society in general the United States, to this very day, espouses this, it's called the Horatio Alger myth, that if you work hard and take care of business, you will be rewarded thusly. Right. Which is a fallacy. We see that with the women's soccer team right now. Yeah, right. Right. And that's one of the biggest indictments of a capitalist system is that you're exceptional, you've worked your ass off, and you've reach the pinnacle of what you can within your field, Mm -hmm. and you're still not rewarded thusly in accordance with it. So the Protestant work ethic was utilized by not just slave owners, but business owners during the Industrial Revolution as a means of keeping people showing up to work and working themselves to death and not questioning things either, because I think that that's another thing. Uh, I think a lot of dogmatic individuals feel like it's a cardinal sin to even question things. Mm-hmm. Right. And and you can't help but do it. It's just whether you're going to do it internally or you're going to verbalize it. And in verbalizing it, you might actually find something that brings you closer to God, mm-hmm. but right. you don't say it. And I then know it's like a long question that so I was going to ask, like, but like, what do you what think What do you do it? with that? Yeah. yeah. I think you grieve it. Yeah. I think you, I think... I have to, you know, so I'm, uh, I don't even pretend I don't, you know, I'm not black. I'm 
you know, don't have a, that history. I did the Protestant work ethic. That's my, that's my people. Like right. I grew up poor, mm-hmm. uh, close to the earth, which I'm, you know, so like to succeed in my life, I had to leave where I was raised and get away from the earth. And I feel like I've spent the first half of my life getting out of poverty. And I would love to say that I spent the second half getting back in it Hmm. in an undoing of the very thing that you're talking about, you know, kind of at a personal level. Um, Like when, like this is how we found our identity among my people. Like you were, you worked hard. And if somebody was lazy, I mean, they might as well not exist. Right. Right. Cause, cause we bought into that. The myth, the, and right. you were talking about a, a part part of of your framework is that uh, value, human value is native to all, like dignity. Human, yeah, dignity, human dignity is dignity native is, to all people, right. and it's not contingent upon how useful you are to some contrived right. human structure. Right, that's true. Um, that's true. Uh, and and I don't know what facilitated me thinking of this, but we stumbled upon the concept of reverse engineering. Mm, when we're yes, approaching like yeah when we're approaching mm-hmm. any kind of um issue that we have today that we have a desire to parse out right it's like having you know you're you're an engineer and you're exposed you have an engine you didn't build the engine but you're familiar with the concepts that are associated with engineering and putting it together you reverse engineer it. You take it completely apart to understand how it was put together. Right. And I think if we apply that reverse engineering uh, concept to any number of these issues, we f- we will converge on some sort of common ground and truth. The problem resides when people take where we're at now and gloss over what took us, what all it took us to how, get how there. We, how we got mm. here, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever tried reverse engineering your faith and reverse engineering just the Methodist idea, you know, yeah, ideology? Yeah, I think I do that kind of, you know, and so again, sort of one experience that I feel like uh, I, I, is a gift is, um, you know, I'm around a lot of people who have to take it all the way down hmm. uh, and rebuild Describe it. Describe that. Okay, okay. Take and, it. okay. and I feel like I probably um, was gifted with the ability to kind of do that without some of the baggage, you know, like... Um, without the dogmatic kind of uh, fear control thing that, that some people have. So I have good friends who have taken, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I was like all in and now I'm a person of no faith at all. And then a few that have said, okay, now that I'm going to, I'm going to rebuild this, you know, up. And I have a a friend who's a college professor who, you know, has really got to, you know, he can articulate that journey really well. Y'all might want to talk to him sometime. Um, I think for me, yeah, that's more of a, a kind of doing the mechanics on the plane as it flies, right? Yeah. yeah. Because I think that's only that's all we ever ever have. That's all anybody ever gets yeah. is to to figure it out as we go and undo some stuff and rebuild some stuff. So, like what you said about your Jehovah Witness background, I think it's the beauty of like this is this is points me to God is that uh, people can kind of have a mixed. Um, experience in life uh, with religion and it can still have, there still can be some good that, you know, like you, you don't want to, you don't want to run that down the road because it, you know, you, you can distance yourself and also appreciate it at the same time. I think that, that, you know, that speaks to experience more broadly, not just religion. Um, you know, if God is the, is, is real, then it's not going to be, he's not or uh, going to be contained in one faith or another. Right. So, um, 
so in that then even the worst of our experiences can be transformed. Hmm. And I think that also kind of borders on the idea that it takes sincerely more strength to maintain your sensitivity and acuity and empathy amidst those hardships and come out the other end than it does for basically to use those, those hardships as a justification for crystallizing and, yeah. and, and putting your guard to up. disengage, to cop out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the easy a, way I out. I think it is an easy way out. I think it's a cop out. I it it, it I takes a lot 100%. more strength to be soft and receptive to people than it does for you to put those walls up. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, if, we, if there was a lot more of that, I think it would be easier for atheists and Christians or any of those people to have discussions together. Because well, instantly, you know, I, I felt the need before we even were going to start recording was to tell people on here what this episode is not going to be. It's not going to be a platform for any of us here. Even, even as you talk to me like, okay, now we want you on here, but yeah. don't be a jerk about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it like, yeah, seriously. It was like, hey, don't, you know, don't come on and just, you know, start pouring on everything. And, and truthfully, I didn't, I, when I told, when I said that, I was just like, I know he's not like that. I just know you're not like that, but I just, we've didn't been want, hurt before. Yeah. We've been hurt. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to that actually, mm-hmm. you know, like people hurt people, hurt mm-hmm. people continuing to hurt people. And, oh yeah. You, you uh, tra- that's, trauma. That's why I think people, we talked about sins of our fathers yes, was the yes. last so episode. That's one thing that I want to uh, talk about with you is obviously our last episode was called sins of our sins of the father. And, you know, a lot of times we're paying for the things that were done much, you know, further before us. How yeah. do you feel that you're paying for the things that religion has done for you every day when you're out in the community and people are, you know, shitting on religion constantly and stuff like that? So if I understand the question, kind of living in that climate where there are a lot of people who are disengaging from the church, quote unquote, yes. I, I mean, I guess I still feel like I have experienced something that I want other people to have, you know? So, you know, I have a, I have a brother who's, I have two brothers not, not engaged in the church. One, one brother, um, it is, um, is gay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like feels like, um, the church has really kind of done a number on him. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I can't argue with that. Right. So the conversations we've had, you know, it's like, man, I feel like, I have something beautiful, beautiful in my life that I want other people to have. That's kind of how I engage that. Do you want a gay person to have it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, even you know, if we're flipping the world upside down, then even more so in a way. You yeah. know, and like have it in what sense to to be straight or? And I don't want no, to sound like this no, is like one of those no, questions. No, 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 no. I mean, it's it's a hot topic. Yeah. You know, kind of conversation in in our church in our denomination right now. Um. No, no, with no agenda, you know, for that person, except for that person as any person to be fully alive. And then that's their journey. That's their, that's their that's, journey. It has no bearing journey. upon your interaction with them. And it has shouldn't. no bearing on it's just a my interaction as a pastor or a person of faith, you know, so... Any, so more, you, any more than a straight member of the congregation's sex life has any bearing upon, or yeah. their sexual predilections have any bearing upon your life. Right, so the sexuality is created as this, as this gift from God for good, mm-hmm. right? And so we've, we've got like lots of shame, you know, kind of t- wrapped up in that, and we've talked about it in ways that people feel like, you know, that, um, that they can't, you know, 
even even really begin to have the conversation. I think so. Uh, so yeah, I want good things for gay people and straight people, you know, yeah. <laughs> like with their sexuality, right? Yeah. And and I think we need to have the humility uh, in my position of leadership to trust that if if I, if God is who I think He is uh, and loves people the way I think He does. Then um, the the so we would say the Holy Spirit is at working is at work in somebody's life, and I can turn that completely over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know I know communities have to have like how do we navigate stuff? So I mean we're going to have to talk about you know social issues, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's unfortunate that those become great dividing yeah. lines for for folks. Yeah, because you, know? you know I think of again I think of God is having the capability to feel things above any human on earth. So to, to say, to limit God to conditional love, to limit God to say that I'm only going to accept you under these certain things, that's the most human. I do that shit. And also we say, all, we, all, that. we all yeah. do that. And yeah. to, to say in the same breath, unconditional love, I love you no matter what. But, However, but yeah, yeah, like I, I want a God that's that's better than me. That's what, yeah, that's what I no want. Kidding. You know? So, so like, so you know, to play devil's advocate, so the people who I, I mean, I'm trying to, so I have sort of a dialogue approach. I, I'm, I'm going to people who disagree on this sure. very issue, you know, in not only in Bowling Green, but you know, with other pastors, I've kind of served in that role as we've wrestled in Kentucky, and I'm trying to hear the best of what people say. You know, I think, I think. There are some people that are, you know, uh, holding up signs and protesting against gay people, and then there are a lot of people in the church that just don't understand and, uh, you know, read the Bible and think this is, you know, this is a choice and this is not somebody the best for somebody, right? And so they just, you know, they would say they they're just trying to love people well, you know. So I want to give them that credit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and. And, and so I, my my approach on this issue is, hey, we're going to try to figure out how to love people well. Let's have a conversation about that. And that cannot happen without those people being in the room, mm. right? You know, like, so if they haven't been invited to the party and then we're making decisions about them, that's dehumanizing, you know, and yeah. that happens some, you know, that 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 does happen in the, in the church and out, I think. Where do you stand on, on abortion? Um... Gosh, I have a lot. Don't be afraid to talk about it. I have a lot of compassion for people who get into very human, messy situations. I, you know, Mm -hmm. so I, and I have to kind of back up. I have a real, a a real adverse kind of reaction to issue-based politics or faith, Mm -hmm. right? So like you have to, you have to talk through social issues, but what we end up doing is making that the thing rather than and 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 the core rather than the way of living into the core, right? Mm-hmm. So and playing it, off emotion, right? Yeah, and, and then it be, you know people line up and you know kind of take sides and you know stop stop being able to communicate with one another. So um, you know, I I would hope nobody would ever have to have an abortion. Sure. Okay. And, so that, and I that, and I would agree with that too. Yeah. So that that brings me to the way that that my mind works. It's you know one of the uh, questions that I've I've asked people for is how do you fit an elephant into a refrigerator? Some people say you cut it up into little pieces. Sounds fucked up, but it's you know right. th- that's one. Right. Build a bigger refrigerator. Yeah, build a bigger refrigerator. Yeah. So I've yeah. always thought 
that to tackle the issue of abortion, it's not so much about talking about that. It's what what brought us to a point where we're now arguing about this abortion here. I've said the adoption system is absolute bullshit. It's trash. Right. No human should cost $30,000. So which is what Point. we did, by the way. Yeah. My, my, because the, I, we adopted. My, my, yeah. my youngest child is adopted. That's awesome. And, um, you know, it cost $30,000. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, we had just adopted our daughter, and then we went to the Humane Society to get a cat, and they wouldn't let us have a cat. So, like, yeah. you know, like, that's, you know... <laughs> See, I know I weird mean, like, too, but I don't like, think that's related to this conversation. Because you kick him. But and then, and then <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, he's been like can't kick he's a cat kicker. You've been to my house. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't know you do your research. Gosh, called me you on just it. Drop kicking him. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, I gosh, hate cats yeah, though. Shout uh, out to I'm dogs. I'm a dog person. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but then yeah, you know, then we have mostly men talking about. Yeah, how, whether women should have abortions yeah. or not. My my take is if men like, can what's have that? Them, you what's can that? Stick your dick in a red box type thing for twenty bucks, and you'll just get rid of the baby right there. Yeah. That's truthfully, I, I our our society has done so much in favor of men that I'm at that point where if we can have babies, yeah, one hundred percent, stick your dick in this thing, boom, it's just done for you. And so that's why I think again that it is the infrastructure that is bad. It is that what has gotten us to a point where. Every people, not everyone. People will say like they fight for a woman to have the baby, but then they become a tax burden. I don't want my tax dollars paying for them, yeah, you know. And, yeah. and we were we. There was one episode, you know, our last religion and faith episode. We got we had a it was a tense discussion where we were talking about that, and one of the things that our guest said was that the churches are, you know, and and. All kinds of just they're all they're out there ready to help take these kids and in, and I don't think that they are, and, I, and not because they don't want to. I just don't think they have the capacity. To. And, I think that's true. And and I'm you know I'm, I'm a social true? worker. Uh-huh. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, we, I think that we don't have the capacity, right? Yeah. You know, um, and this is all systems, or you know, it's yes. like it's systemic, right? Yes. So it's not just one thing, right? So it's easy to kind of get behind one issue and say this is this and that is that. And it's always more complex than that, Mm -hmm. right? So I say let's create – because I'm such an infrastructure person, why not instead of telling women what to do with their body, create a world that you want to bring a baby into? That's great. So if you don't like abortion, don't get one, but start fighting for adoption to get better. There's – Thousands of kid in this, kids in the system start fighting for for it to be easier to get better health care, to, to do all these other things so that when – because a lot of these women, they don't want to have them, A, because it's taxing a shit on your body, and B, because they know that they're bringing someone into even more poverty or even more problems or they just simply aren't ready. And I know there's a thing. No one's really ready for a kid, but there's – trust me. I've seen some motherfuckers that are not, not ready. ready. Well, and then, and then even beyond that, you have um, babies or you know, pregnancies that are pr- the product of incest, rape, yes, rape. any oh number of God, things. Yeah. And, and one of the problematic elements and one of the reasons why I am an anti-theist is when I see um, unified – well, what amounts to lobbies, unified in terms of voting and pushing public policy based upon their own concept of right and wrong um, under their religious framework. And that would be, like he was saying, if you're fighting for a child to be born, you have to walk the walk on the, the other end as well. You have to be prepared if... 
if you as a community are going to vote in accordance with legislation that forces a, a woman to take a child to term, it only makes sense to me that that same group needs to have a contingency plan for that child once it is born. Um, on top of that, another thing that gets paraded around a lot, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, a lot of people aren't, um, talking about late-term abortion and the, the horrors of late-term abortion. Yes, when a child or when a prenatal entity mm-hmm. is uh, in the third trimester, is pretty well-developed, if not totally developed within certain capacities, um, the idea of terminating the pregnancy at that point, I think everybody here can agree to some degree that a zygote, there's a vast difference between a zygote and an eight-and-a-half-month-old, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what what is not fetus, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't think they're people until they're like four. So. <laughs> <laughs> but well, that's, that's questionable. <laughs> <laughs> there, too, you know. I'm a, I'm a, some, I'm they never become, some pe- never yeah, become I'm people. Yeah, all about like 97th trimester abortions. <laughs> I'm just like, you're an asshole. You gotta go. <laughs> but but with late, late-term abortion, it gets paraded around as one of the cornerstones of why this is such a hot-button issue and why it's so unethical. But if you look at the statistics, late-term abortions invariably are for wanted pregnancies. Mm-hmm. They had to be terminated, not because the mother or father wanted to terminate the pregnancy, because the pregnancy was no longer viable. The child was going to be born acephalic, born with no head. And legislation that's put in place now would force women to carry a body with no head to term and give birth to a body with no head. I want to make sure that we're not platforming here. Just no, 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 no. Okay. I, okay. I just, it's not so much a platform. I, I just know that other people are going to be sure, listening. Sure. And I think it's, a, it's one of the most misunderstood elements to this, right, wrong, or indifferent. The statistics that are associated with late-term abortion are overwhelmingly, if not all, I think it was 2017 is the the most recent statistics that I can reference. Zero out of all late-term abortions were from unwanted pregnancies. Mm. They were for pregnancies that had to be terminated to save the life of the mother or because the pregnancy was no longer viable. And a lot of people, rabid individuals, chastise these women who have already been traumatized by having to terminate a pregnancy that they carried all the way to the third trimester and wanted to keep. And then they've got people lined up outside of a center telling them they're going to hell and stuff like that. And, and it gets, that gets, that gets paraded around a whole lot more than than it should. I think it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you could do something to fix it, is it yeah. sort of going to be sort of like an infrastructure thing we've got to be able to because I didn't know that you had adopted before so it's 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 good to know that you that you had to come up with however what, what, what can you we did. do what can we do there, yeah. yeah what can the church do what can society do and, and we couldn't have done that without the support we had of our community mm-hmm. you know like we really we really were 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 really cared for you mm-hmm. know and and supported in that endeavor you know i would say though she's my favorite too by the way but don't tell my boys <laughs> <laughs> i would say though that a lot of these problems out there societal problems we have the capacity to fix them we just don't want to and so i tend to think in a lot of cases 
that the dogma, the doctrine, sometimes gets in the way. And playing off a of pathos, yes. manipulating people by stirring up their emotions. And also, I think there's a fair helping of what we harp on, the anti-intellectualism, mm-hmm. where it's like experts in fields get considered like, oh, yeah, you, you're just book smart. Mm-hmm. You know? We Christians like don't believe science when it, we don't want to, but if it's, like, it's a cure for cancer, then we, you know, we're going yeah. to the right. doctor, right? Going, you know, yeah. like, like there's, yeah, there's a, there's a real struggle there like, uh, to, just to figure out what science you know, brings to the conversation, right? And if you feel threatened by science and you're told that, you know, that it's against the Bible, mm-hmm. right? I think then that your defenses are up mm-hmm. for things that they don't need to be up for, you know, or if they, if there is something to figure out and, um, and to work through, then it's done best, not from a place of fear or defensiveness. Hmm. Right. And, and I, this is, this is somewhat off topic. We're, we're now kind of discussing more macro, like sure. over encompassing issues at this point, but this is a, a question that I thought of a while ago that I wanted to just pick your brain about. Um, with the exception of places that are like China, mm-hmm. um, which is a secular nation, most secular nations on the planet, um, if you look at, the, what is it, the happiness index? Is mm-hmm. that the, the measure? Secular countries, you know, if you look at Scandinavia, actually an enormous swath of Europe is considered secular at this point. The happiness index is much higher in secular nations, again, with the exception of like mainland China, than in the in more religious countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know how to unpack that entirely. I, I don't think it's entirely this this cause and effect, like, okay, we don't have religion, so we're suddenly happy. Do you think but that it's you, built in the struggle? Well, that what I was going to say is it, maybe in some capacities like what we're talking about with the misinformation and the pushing dogma and stirring people up and controlling them based upon emotions if we remove that from the equation we don't remove the spiritual element we don't remove the community element any of that we just remove that pervasive part of it i think it frees up a society to create an infrastructure mm-hmm. because it's more unified people right. are people are making decisions informed decisions yeah not going along right. with just what someone else told them or right. emotion. Yeah. Um, but I, I just wondered if you had any ideas on what would maybe play into that or what what my, I might be missing from that equation. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I hadn't really heard that stat before. So I, I think what you're getting to is something that you know I would hope to be true, which is that if we can untangle the the mess a little bit and um, be humble, you mm-hmm. know, with one another and create, create connections and bridges. Uh, I think there's a, a kind of, it's a time of tremendous opportunity okay. um, to, to kind of put things back together that have kind of been torn, torn apart. You okay. know? And so I, I would hope that would be the case. Right. So, and w- what about, uh, and, and in keeping with that, and again, this is just, a question, just curiosity. Um, what is your stance on um, taxing churches, especially some of these that are raking it in? Right. Well, it would totally undo what we do. So, I mean, so there's like the, the people that abuse the system, right? Yeah. And then there, I would hope, there, 
you know, I would hope that our our church fits into a category of people doing doing more good than harm. You know, so it, yeah. it, at the very least, an, an entity like a mega church yeah. where it it becomes almost like a corporation to a degree, right? Versus a small community church. Again, I don't really have any logistical concerns with a, a community church not paying taxes. But whenever a church becomes almost nationwide, like people have it televised and they've got literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people pouring money in and they've got commercials and the guys flying around on jets. And I know that that's kind of anecdotal. It's not representative of the overwhelming majority of people, but they have a disproportionate amount of influence and they're very visible. That's why it becomes anecdotal because that's what we see on TV. Mm -hmm. And we see the stats that are associated with like, what is it? Creflo dollar. Creflo dollar. Yeah, like wearing <laughs> he, he smiles <laughs> fifteen thousand dollars worth of clothes. Yeah. I wish I had a cool name like that. <laughs> no, that his like, last people, name people, is Dollar. How people don't like, people don't even know how to say my last name? Yeah. So, <laughs> just yeah. tell them it's Dollar. Yeah, it's Dollar. All right, to to wrap this up, um, I want to. I, I got one question for you, and it's sort of, what's one question that you've always wanted to ask your congregation, or that you've always wanted to ask your your you know, people, your your fellow ministers or anything like that. What's one question that you've always wanted to ask that you just never maybe you've been scared to or or anything like that? Gosh, I don't know know how to answer that. A question that I would want to ask that you've always wanted to be like, why are you guys like this? Or like if you could say something to the totality of the congregation yeah. and your peers without any repercussion no, whatsoever. Yeah, no judgment. Nothing, and I know it's. Like, we're they, like, they it's like listening. we're hanging you out to dry. We're like, what is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're gonna mail this to all of them. And they're like, hey guys, this is what he really thinks, uh, dude. If they think negatively after this episode, because I think I can tell that a lot of my friends that are that are not with the church, I would imagine that they'd be like, this is a this is a kind of guy I'd want to talk to. Like, if you're getting the attention of people that aren't in the church, that'd be like. Shit, man, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to go listen to Adam. And it's also beautiful that not a. I'm the only person here that's like referenced a specific scripture, and that's so. It feels so good to not have. Well, if we look at yeah, Job six fourteen, like, bro, like we have to agree to the same paradigm, and if we don't, then there's no point in this meeting. Us where we are, yeah, and that's I. I appreciate that immensely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing, though, right? Like, so I. I would, I would, I guess I would ask the question, are we up for this approach? You know, in, in this mm. time and in this uh, age with the questions that we have, with the issues that you've brought up in, the, in this conversation, are we humble enough to engage, a, a, you know, a culture with no, no sense of, or need to control or um, no agenda, but to, uh, to meet people where they are? And are we willing to do that at our own, you know, cost? You know, if if that if we're willing for that to cost us something? Because you have to. If if and correct me if I'm wrong, the only way to take that approach is for you to also accept that if you're out there to hopefully change someone, you also there's a chance that you could be changed as well. Yeah, I hope that I hope that I am. 
Yeah. Right. I hope that I am changed. Right. So Methodists have this thing, uh, belief, uh, about God's grace that is called, uh, prevenient grace. So we come from a British kind of, you know, background. John Wesley was, uh, from, was Anglican in the church of England and he was really, he had labels for, you know, names for lots of stuff. And he thought grace was this dynamic thing that did all kinds of stuff. Uh, God's grace is so powerful that it's out of before us. Um, before we know, before we choose, before we make a decision for Jesus, you know, whatever. Um, so grace does other things. It also transforms us over time, and it saves us. Uh, so, but that that part of grace that's out ahead of us, uh, God at work uh, in the world and in people and every single person all the time, without exception, uh, He called prevenient grace or uh, preventing grace, uh, and it, it literally means the grace that goes before. And so, if we believe that's true, then there's not a person. With not only that is not created in God's image, but also not a person whose God isn't at work in, mm. in their life. So that, and you said a lot of negatives, double negatives there, but every single person has the Spirit of God in them and at work in a, in a powerful way. So, so then we're just showing up, you know, what's my job? My job is not to take God or Jesus to somebody. My, God, my job is to, to recognize it as that it's already there. And then to, um, be fully present in the moment with the person that, that we're talking about. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what happens as a result of that, but I think, I think that that's a good place to start, I guess. It's a, it's a good way to engage the world and other people. That's a, so, that's, that's well said. That's beautiful. Yeah, that was well and said. That, that's truthfully a, a good stopping point. And, uh, you know, before we start with our shameless shout outs, uh, I, I again want to thank you for, for meeting us where we are. And for it both like figuratively and like physically meeting us where we are because it's, it's sweaty as shit in here. You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? Right, so right. like, yeah. but, no, uh, but in in all seriousness, I mean, it's not. This is this isn't a gig for me. This is yeah. like I'm really I really appreciate the chance. I appreciate cool, you guys cool. and the chance to have a conversation and kind of you know whatever opportunity that is. Uh, I just yeah, uh, your cool. hospitality well, to bring me in this. I, pre- I appreciate I, it. Honestly, man. you've 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 definitely expanded my perception in yeah. general. I can, I can want to, I can, I have, I can say that just, yeah. Yeah, I feel, but, I feel it's really good. Because I was just making up shit as I went. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's just, it's, it's so. You're going to have you, to edit out the, edit out those, you know, <laughs> my church people can't hear, like, I don't oh, talk God. like that from the pulpit in that context. So <laughs> there's going to be somebody listening going, oh. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna pray oh. extra hard for Adam. <laughs> I don't but know who's going to help. Now, I, for those of you who who are in his congregation, you guys are lucky as hell. You guys are very, very lucky to have someone like him there. Um, and neither of us go to any sort of churches or anything like that. But you guys should consider yourself damn lucky. You have someone like this that can go out there and have these conversations. Because I can literally, I can, I can tell why you're a preacher. Like I can tell why you're you're there because that's the, like, and here I am just like giving you ego sandwiches for yeah, like days no, and stop, shit like stop that. Stop doing that. But no, no, I'm I'm dead serious. Like I can see why people would go and and uh, and go and listen to you if you're if the way that you're talking right now is the way that you approach it yeah. you know, on Sundays. I don't know yeah. if that's how you are on Sundays, but uh, in a perfect world, it would it would be a conversation like this because yeah. this is the kind of message that anyone could listen to. And uh, whether like whatever you believe, like you can you can have a conversation 
like this and the fact that you're willing to put yourself out there, the fact that you can say that you don't know about things because so many people in they they believe that your preacher is supposed to know everything for like they're just supposed to know everything. Yeah, they're going to know a shit ton more than you. But again, when it comes to the application of it, we're all on our own stories. We are. We're we're That's all right. like and if there's anything to to learn and we say it in our podcast, we say it repeatedly is that you have to be an active participant in your own life. And I think that a lot of people mm. forget they they say that almost you are taking the driver's seat of their life. Like if some shit goes down, it's your fault. If at the end of this whole thing, if you know, heaven or judgment day is as people sort of see, you know, and they're wrong. They're like, well shit, Adam told me all this stuff. It's supposed to be like that. But the approach that I get from you is that I hope that you're telling people like you got to be an active participant in your own life because even you are fallible. And a recognition of one's fallibility. Well, they know it because they live with me, you know? Yeah, you know, it's yeah. It's like, it's going to show at, yeah. some, at some point. So the, the sham falls apart you yes. know, at some point. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, thank you for being real. Um, so, now, this is where we go on with our shameless shout-outs. And Great. you can tell anyone, like, hey, what's up? Thank you. Go to hell. You can say whatever you want right here. So, we'll leave it to you to leave your shameless shout-out to anyone. I don't know what that means. Like, so you just like, say shout out to my wife, shout out to my, my congregation, yeah, your congregation, um, anything. Yeah. favorite popsicle. It yeah. don't matter, man. Yeah, man. Uh, I want to shout out to my mom for kind of creating this, you know, environment yeah. early on for me for uh-huh. you know to to talk about faith this way. I think she she loved that I would Good. say something about her. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I want to shout out to uh, my family who puts up with a lot of of me being out places doing things and saving the world. Right. Like, yeah, but who's cleaning the toilet, you know? So (laughs) I'm going to go home and do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, do you have any shameless shout outs? Uh, Again, always, we got to give a shameless shout out to Tyler Young at grade eight performance. Um, You know, I think he's got a pretty full plate right now, but like I said, if you have the opportunity and the desire, hit that man up and he'll change your life. Mm -hmm. Brandon, shameless shout outs. I don't think I have any right now. Okay. Okay. I thought he was gonna talk about his preparation age. No, no, no. Preparation age. <laughs> I see you sitting all weird. No, I'm just hot. I've been at work all day. So. Huh? Oh yeah, I haven't. I mean, no, no it uh, doesn't work. Uh, oh god. Anyway, but the great cycle challenge. I'm just oh kidding. god, no, not now. <laughs> no, no, that's over uh, now. I want to give a shout out to just all you listeners. Um, I know that you know before we started this episode, uh, Chris and I were like. We're going to keep it an hour or something like that. Yeah. And uh, in typical Saluma's fashion, we just get into the content. And we've said it over and over and over that the content makes itself. Uh, we tried to stick with like a, you know, I, I wrote some notes and stuff like that. And I just turned my phone off. I was just like, there's no point. Uh, because this is just natural conversation. And, and we've said it before and we'll say it again. You know, everyone loves sausage, but no one wants to see it get made. And when you want to have a true conversation about faith and religion, it's like making sausage or bacon or whatever good meat that you like. And when you are willing to let put yourself out there and put it into the grinder, you can make some really good shit. And I think that's what we just did tonight, guys. So thank you all for, for jumping on. And thank you guys all for listening. Uh, so that being said, uh, if you want to follow us, that is at the Salumist Podcast on Instagram. You can go to Facebook and just check, just type in the Salumist. Uh, I think it's the Salumist Podcast. Um, did I say the Salumist Podcast on Instagram or did I just say the Salumist? 
what you just did. So. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you want to check out anything on our website, go to www.thesaloomis.com. Uh, we have some merch up there that you can buy. I'm actually working on a new blog entry, so I hope to have that done this weekend. Um, we want to, uh, again, start putting more and more content out there for you guys. And again, allow this to serve as just like a library of, of knowledge and conversations and stuff like that. Uh, Adam, I want to say, do you have any social media things that you want people to connect with you on or what? He's like, no. <laughs> I do. You know, so our, our, you know, our uh, website is broadwayunited.org. Okay. You know, so okay. that's our that's our church, and I do believe we're doing a lot of good stuff. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Do you have any events or anything that's coming up? Uh, so August 11th, we're going to start a conversation about how we deal with anxiety and how we kind of create structures structures in our life that help us, you know, deal with stress and and li- live live yeah. to the you know to the to the fullest you know that we that we can out of that. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that a lot. So. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right, guys, thank you all for your time. Thank you for your attention. Again, follow us on any of the various social media platforms. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit us up. And I think that's, I think that's it, man. We are out. Peace.